Welcome to the Doc G Show, a radio show cluster. F- Without further ado, critics have said he has the face for radio and a voice for silent films. Your host, Ben Doc G Gordon. And we are on the air. Welcome. To the Doc G Show. I'm your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the man that is now fully and wholly 100% engaged, Mr. Dave Burles Berlin. That is me, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, I am off the market. That's right, ladies. We can no longer refer to Kayla as a girlfriend. That's true. She is now the ball and chain. Fiance. Ball and chain. My goodness. You know, it's funny. I asked her, I was like, you know, I almost got you like a one of the Beyonce crewnecks, but it says fiance, what? you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she was like, that's tacky. Oh. Why would you do that? Oh. And I was like, I thought girls oh, loved those. Yikes. Yikes. So mm-hmm. I'm glad I, but I'd, I didn't get it. So okay. I oh, made yeah. another good decision. You saved, there you go. Good job. Nicely done. Thank um, you. Uh, so, and I surprised her, so that was a win. Yes. Well, I, I was I was gonna ask you about that, but real quick, ladies, make sure you stop DMing the Instagram page to try to get Dave's digits. He's off the mark. <laughs> That's right. Don't do it. Don't do it, ladies. I know we've been getting it repeatedly Sorry. over and over again. He's off off the market. Just send him my way. Nope. Anyways, um, Dave, I have to ask you, how, how did how did it go down? What what went down here? How did you plan this? All right. Here we go. Here's the story. Okay. So, in a previous conversation, Kayla told me mm-hmm. that she wanted her best friends to be involved in it somehow. Mm. And we only had that conversation, like, mm. once. Mm. So, I kind of, like, stashed it in the memory bank. About her friends, at least. Right. You know, other things she told me about repeatedly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeez. I, um, I knew I had to get the friends involved. Mm. So, I was like, hey, you guys should come down. Um, and when you do it, I will surprise Kayla. Now, now you don't um, think they they gave it away, did you? Secretly, they didn't give it away, did mm, they? She was truly no, surprised, I, right? Yeah, the, yeah. There's there's ways I kind of knew that she was surprised. Okay, okay. So so her friends come down. They were supposed to come Labor Day. They couldn't um, because we were sick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Kayla also told me that she had imagined. She was like almost certain that it was going to happen that weekend Mm. so by us delaying it she didn't think it was going to be this past weekend Mm. Mm -hmm. so the girls come and i tell them before they come i was like just tell her you saw lemon bar on instagram and you want to go to lemon bar Mm. that way you can get her to the beach it's good enough though um i like it right because i I wanted to do it at the beach but i didn't have a a monument a a reference point yeah landmark use. for you you, yeah. you guys Other had done than, something yeah mm-hmm. right and so like so i'm i'm two blocks down to the left um where we normally take storm and bentley to entry to the beach the parking is easier it's just there's less people it's it's just better all around mm-hmm. so so they were going there i was i was not at the house this weekend while they had the girls weekend mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so at around 3.30, I grabbed the dogs, mm-hmm. and I just told her, hey, I'm going to take them on a walk. Um, I'll take them to the park. I'll get them out of the house for a little bit. And she's like, no, don't come over. We're all getting ready to leave, blah, 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 blah. Like, she didn't want me coming in while everyone's changing clothes and whatnot. What? <laughs> um, 
just being the and she's s- afraid you're gonna be a perv and just go in there and right. yeah, like, all right. Like a, like a peaking, peaking <laughs> <laughs> so she got kind of annoyed, so I knew if she had known she would have just let me take the dogs. You know. Right, right. Uh so that was that was a first clue. Mm-hmm. Um for me at least, because up until that point I like figured that she knew something was coming. Right. Oh, and Thursday night, that Thursday night, her sister, we were watching the football game, mm-hmm. and her sister was talking about um, my dad had sent a fi- oh, just a random fish picture that he caught into the engagement group chat that I had between my family and her family. <laughs> and Kayla was like, what fish picture in the group chat? Oh! Mm. And I was like, uh, 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 don't worry about it. Mm. <laughs> I was really awkward. Yeah. I did not save it well. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I just kind of brushed that off. I didn't, that didn't give it away. So anyways, fast forward back to, to Saturday. So, um, I have the dogs. I picked them up at 3.30. I was at the beach by 4.30. Mm-hmm. She was supposed to leave the house at 4.15 to be at the beach by 5. Mm-hmm. Um, I got there a little bit early, made sure everyone was there by 4.45. Mm-hmm. And I kind of walked around with the photographer, and I was like, hey, this is where I'm thinking about doing it. What do you think for pictures? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So 4, like 10 comes around, and they're like, hey, she's still not ready. She's got to get dressed still. Um, Good Lord. You know, we're just going to let her do it. She, we're just gonna let her do her thing and not rush her. And I was like, "No, you need to get to the beach. You need to leave." I told you four fifteen. These people are getting so they, tired of sitting here. Oh man, and it was hot. And we're pay- so we're paying this photographer by the minute. <laughs> Hurry! Yeah, it's cha-ching, cha-ching. But yeah. um, so they end up getting. They end up parking at Lemon Bar, and I told them, I was like, you guys go valet. I'll pay for it. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Um, 5.45 comes. They park, and they say, oh, we have to go to the bathroom. <sighs> I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm like, and you know this, dog. I'm, I'm very timely. Like, yeah. I don't do deal with tardiness mm-hmm. well. I'm, I try to be early for everything. Yeah. Um, so true. And so it was just irritating to me because like everyone else was on time except this, but she didn't really know she was supposed to be on. Of course, on a time. she didn't have it. So she didn't have a schedule with her, so you know. Right. So that's the only thing that like I like couldn't. Now was this girls, was this all girls, going down text? Were you texting them like, hey, what's what's the deal? Uh, t- text um and then they were like oh just message us like message us individually mm-hmm. so like i originally had like talked to them on instagram yeah um because i didn't have their phone numbers right. um so it was kind of a little bit of both but yeah text and then they were like oh text us separately so all of our phones don't vibrate at the right. same time and god you know, man they went they went anything. they went co- co-op they, they yeah went we, were, we were pretty there. secretive yeah so uh, eventually, the girls are like, hey, let's go take some pictures on the beach um, real quick mm-hmm. before our makeup runs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, oh my gosh, dog, this was so awkward. So there were so many people out of the beach. Jeez. And I had went out there a few times to just survey the scene and see was a yeah. good one. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And do some scouting. And the three times I went out there, Nobody. it was dead. Yeah. And this was... And now you got to think now it's almost six o'clock and the beach is still packed. Mm. I'm like, when are these people going to leave? (laughs) Um, So I end up meeting Kayla halfway between the two blocks and uh, I had a little speech written and nice. um, I brought her to the spot and did it right there. Nice. Um, And then 
as you saw, I had some champagne waiting. Did. Um, and the dogs with their bandanas. Um, well, I mean, from and, the picture, uh, when I saw the picture, I was like, "Yeah, Dave took it to another level here. So this true. obviously did not happen spontaneously. This was not no. a spontaneous well, the, event. The shooting of the champagne was pretty spontaneous. Okay. I never do that. Yeah, it's, but, it's a weird thing. Even for people that have done a couple of them, it's like you just don't know when that thing's going to pop. It's just like, eh. Yeah, the, the picture was epic, though. It was. It was a good shot. It's a good shot. The dogs, the dogs weren't amused, though. <laughs> they just wanted to be in the water. <laughs> that's what. That's what I. That's the first thing I noticed. Like looking at the picture, I was yeah, like, I look through the picture, and then Storm and Bentley are just sitting there, like, oh, you turds. I know. I thought. I thought they would have been so excited for the champagne popping, but they were not. Not at all, man. But yeah, you had some solid. Pi- I was. I was wondering about the story because, first of all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's way too much planning for me. I can't do something like yeah. that. Good Lord. That right. is, that is <laughs> a lot of organizing and well, a lot of work. And I, ugh, God. Yeah, and, plan, and planning it a few weeks before and then having to replan and make sure everyone's okay and do the same thing again. Mm. Ugh. Yeah. I was glad it was over with. And yeah. We, we all went to dinner after I got reservations across the street at uh, Ocean 60. Um. No. Is, oh, oh is those, that a, those it, reservations were six thirty. Is so. it Ocean Sixteen in, in, in a hotel? No, th- that's the One Ocean Hotel. We were right next to the One Ocean. Oh, so, okay. You know the pizza place that we ate yeah, at? Yeah, it's right yeah, next yeah. To that. That's what it's I right was. Next to that. That's yeah. what I was thinking. I was, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think me and Justin and Dave have have partied hard oh, right in we, that area. We've ra- we've rendezvoused in that area. Yeah, we have indeed. Oh. Partied hard, nope. as I like to call it. And by party hard, I mean ate some pizza and left. Throw down some pizza <laughs> and wings. <laughs> That's about so it. But, uh, <laughs> Dave, I, I've, got a, I've got a proposal of my own I want to make Ooh. to you. Will, okay. will you allow the Doc G Show to remote record from your wedding? And I can, I can. Oh man! I can commentate. I can like if, if you're afraid, I'll ruin it. I can do play it like play. I can do it like from the window <laughs> and just like you know, sort of like outside, just sort of gorilla style. Be like, all right, yes! looks like looks like we got a best man lining up, guys. Best friend. Best man's coming in right now. He's got a nice tux on. Let me describe the tux. I can do that style or. I can just like do it in the back and just do a, a like a gorilla style recording of it all and then commentate over it. Either one. Either one. Yeah, Say either what? way, we'd be down to do it. We haven't picked a place yet. Yeah. I think we are gonna try and go international. Wow. Somewhere wow. And hey. do a little destination wedding. Do Justin so, Proud. Doc G remote. Do Justin Proud. Ooh, Philippines. The, Philippines. The Philippines man. would be sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I told Kayla I just she wants to be like a, so we want to do like an all inclusive resort type thing. Yeah, uh-huh. um, it's just it's just better for everyone, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want it to be by a golf course. Okay, I can <laughs> or, see that or have a golf course that would make or have sense. A golf course, yeah. And Kayla's like, I want it to be modern, and I want the food to be awesome, and um, I want it to be pretty. <laughs> and I'm like. It's more well, planning, man. More planning. I know. Jeez, oh, peace. It never stops, dude. Yes. But mm. we can we can do a international Doc G show for okay. the first time. I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited. <laughs> that makes me happy. Very happy for this wedding. On that note, 
Congratulations, Dave. Are you ready to fire Thank this show sir. up? Let's fire it up. Five. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. Woo! Okay, my goodness. Oh, man, Dave, we have a great show today. We have a great interview that we've already recorded. I'm very excited yes, about sir. this. I did an interview earlier with uh, Ben Miller from the Ben Miller Band. Uh, fantastic artist, fantastic man himself. We talk about everything. That's right. I mean, we talk about him going on tour with ZZ Top to uh, Europe, mm -hmm. uh, them talking mm -hmm. about Joplin, Missouri. That's where the band is out mm. of. Now, I'm very, okay. I'm very uh, excited about this. We talk about... His his right hand man in the band is Scott, and Scott plays the uh, washed tub bass. Mm. And I don't know if you Ooh. recall, but we had a guest earlier on the show in March, the Hog Slop mm -hmm. String Band. That oh yeah, yeah pickle yeah. of the Hog Slop String Band plays the washed tub bass. And when oh. I was doing research for this interview, I saw in several interviews. Uh, ben say Scott's the best in the world at the wash tub bass, and I remember from the interview them saying uh, Gabriel specifically in the Hog Slop String Band saying, I, "I do say so myself." Pickles the best in the world at the wash tub bass, and I was like, "That's right." Whoa, I got to go back and check it. And yes, right, he did say that. And then I proposed it to Ben. I think we got to have a bass off. So oh, bass off, I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, so so many good things in this interview. I'm excited for it. But first, we got to start where we start. Birthday suit. Yes, sir. Happy birthday, Mr. President. All right, uh, Dave, we've got three birthday suits here, um, okay. uh, as per usual. Uh, the first one you've got, uh, it right. goes downhill right. from there. Uh, it goes downhill. Um, well, actually, no, I, I take that back because the the second one I made the hardest one. The second one I'm pretty positive you have no tr chance of getting. Um, the the third one you've probably got. Pretty sure okay. you got. Okay, here we go. So, born on September 30th, 1985. I'll be honest. When I found out this dude is mm -hmm. younger than me. It made me a little mm, bit sad. Glam. Gra granted, he's only younger than me by five months, but still, it made me sad. Um, anyways, September 30th, 1985 in Tallahassee, Florida, at the age of three, a friend of our birthday... What? What? How did you get, get that? It? Oh! <laughs> Just for the Tallahassee. Tallahassee hero. Wow. <laughs> Wow. That may be that the quickest is, ever. I was about to say that's well definitely the fact I think I think Justin had one where he got from the uh from the, the birth date. But I that's definitely your fastest. That's definitely Dang. your fastest. Dang it. Um anyways, so let's go Ooh. through T Pain real quick. At the age right. of three, uh a family friend who is a musician and a birthday and a producer let T-Pain come to the recording studio, play with the equipment. From then on, mm -hmm. 
He was obsessed with music. Uh, at the age of uh, of eight, he turned his bedroom into a music studio with a keyboard, a beat machine, and a four-track recorder. In 2004, he joined the Nappy Heads rap group. His single in 2005, I'm in Love with the Stripper, featuring Mike Jones, was a hit. Reached number five yeah, on was. the Hot 100. And talk about some college times for me, Dave. How My is that not a number times. one hit? It's a number fiver. It's a num. Now the next one though, 2006, he released second album. Number one uh, was at that time. Well, hmm. uh, his his second single off of Epiphany, "Buy You a Drink," number one. I'm sorry, uh, drink. Buy you a drink. I'm a buy you to a number drink. one. Yes. He, uh, he obviously became known for great hooks, auto-tuned singing. He mm -hmm. recorded the hooks for all the following songs. I'm a flirt. I'm so hood. Shawty. Kiss Kiss. Low. Good Life. In 2007, he was featured on four out of the top ten singles at the time. Jeez. Uh, wow. After this, he was recruited for several more popular songs. In 2009, he collaborated with Taylor Swift on a parody song of her song, Love Story. He's also mm -hmm. featured mm -hmm. in the DJ Khaled song, All I Do Is Win. Mm. T-Pain. T-Pain. What's your... Yeah. Happy birthday, T-Pain. What's your thoughts on him? Um, did you watch The Masked Singer at all when he won? I did not. Oh, come on! No. Okay. His whole thing was he felt like... Um, he felt that no one thought he could sing and that he kind of, you know, went was going through a really bad slump. Um, he's right. kind of been unheard from, so he did yeah. that competition to show people that he could actually sing without the without auto, -tune. auto tune. Yeah, yeah. He was he yeah. was really good, man. I really enjoyed yeah. it. Oh yeah, no, he's definitely a good singer, and I mean, like, I I don't know, I I don't think, I don't think people didn't think he couldn't sing. I think they just didn't really care. Like, right, I like, mean, you know, you got like, you, no, you had your niche. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's not that that's why people stopped listening to him. Like they weren't like, yo, that dude can't sing. Done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it was just more like they went on to other stuff. They started listening to different things. He started to get the introduction of emo rap and mumble rap and all kinds yeah. of other things Ugh. that 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 T-Pain does not fit in. So, mm -hmm. you know, uh, I mean, he's had a couple, like, he had Up Down, which I think that was uh, in 2016. That mm -hmm. was a fairly big hit. But, right. uh, you know, I'll check him out on Snapchat every now and then. So true. I like George. going on the story. Yeah. He's entertaining, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And then when I found out he's five months younger than me, I'm like, really? Dude's been around forever, and I'm older than I know. him? Like, God. Man, how far back can you go and, like, think of T-Pain, like, 2005? 2005. Jeez, 2005. Yeah, like but then when you... whole childhood of knowing what music was, essentially. You look at it, though, and he was only he was only 20 when he made that song, so, you know. Wow. Pretty, pretty young then, yeah. Yeah, pretty very. Young. Anyways, happy birthday happy to T-Pain. Happy birthday, T-Pizzle. Faux shizzle. 35. 35. All right. Dave, you Teddy ready? Teddy Bender A down. Mm, I am ready. Tallahassee pain. You ready for to rip some headlines? Yes, rip it, buddy. It's now time for Rip from the Headlines. Okay, Dave, we're going to start with a headline that falls into that category of dumb. So, mm. uh, this is from CNN. Quote, a cautionary tale for candy lovers. A 54-year-old died 
as a result of eating too much licorice, a new study oh. finds. End quote. Wait, what? Jeez. <laughs> you know, we, for, first we of all, dumb. Uh, <laughs> first of all, Dave, out of all the things going on in the world, COVID-19, November elections, wildfires in the West, tensions. You survive in, all that. But like, but I not even not even the the, the guy died. Like the fact that CNN decides to go with this story like it matters. So true. I mean, I'm sure yeah. it matters to the family, <laughs> but like, matter, but but not to like on a global scale. It's CNN. What? Correct. Come on. Like, first of all, Dave, I'm pretty sure this was the only man that likes licorice enough to overdose on it. That's a fact. Like, I can honestly I say this. I've never had a piece of licorice candy and thought, man, I've got to have another piece of that. That's never um, happened. Dude, ever. I love the Rippable Strawberry Twizzlers. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, the best licorice ever. Well, what? Well, okay. Secondly, Dave, when you read this article, <laughs> you, you find out that it's specifically... It like terribly managed diabetes well it's specifically a cautionary tale about eating licorice hmm. not any other candy oh. nope. so you know they said oh. that first thing of a cautionary tale to candy eaters no no it's a cautionary tale of licorice eaters because it licorice, has a certain thing in it yes it contains uh glyceric glyceric mm. acid which can mm. uh cause drops in potassium extracellular potassium oh. and rises in blood pressure and then you lose muscle function so wow. if you eat an insane amount of licorice which apparently this guy was doing uh right you can overdose from it so i mean wow. no no offense to the What's dude that died matter if it's red or black licorice well as long as it's uh, you know as, as long as it's manufactured from true licorice root you know mm, okay okay uh, and I mean, no offense to the dude that died, but they could have titled this story, Are You a Weirdo That Loves Licorice? If so, watch out. Mm. You could eat too much. Like, right. there's a little misleading and a little pointless. But anyways. Uh, I wonder, oh man, I wonder if like they went in his house after and his pantry was just like filled. There's just wrappers of different licorice, types of licorice everywhere, just just right. floating around. I could see a that. A full trash can. Oh, oh well, God, apparently this guy was just eating candy for for uh, uh, lunch, lunch and dinner. Well, just lunch. Like oh. he was just eating a large amount of candy for lunch. So I don't, mm. I don't know. I I didn't read too much of it because I was like, this is pointless. After I found out the overall, Anyways. this is pointless. But let me put it on the show. <laughs> well, to to let people know how pointless and dumb it was. Anyways, right. right. Uh, <laughs> a weird one day from Texas here. Uh, they were last uh, two two Texas men were arrested last week on charges that they were conspiring to uh, make uh, terroristic coordinated attacks on sites mm. in the U.S. on behalf of mm. ISIS. Now, oh, dang. according to the federal affidavit, the feds had been following these dudes for some time. Uh, mm -hmm. and in communication between the two dudes, at one point, they say, we need to stick together. We need to defeat them. We need to take a lot of casualties. Which, mm -hmm. that sounds like a terroristic threat. But then, apparently, one of them added that these attacks would give them rock star status, baby, and they oh, could be Netflix 
worthy. Wait, what? Wow. <laughs> now, it's at this time that I feel like I should tell the listeners, if uh, you're planning on becoming a terrorist, don't. So true. Uh, but especially right. if you're planning on becoming a terrorist to become a rock star with Netflix status, just remember, terrorists, they, do, they don't have groupies. Nope. They usually don't have money. They have no, no. mansions. They have no fame. And if you make it right. to Netflix, it's only when you're dead. That's a fact. So if you're deciding to be a terrorist to get rock star status, I might just su suggest trying to become a rock star. Hmm. I just, I mean, it's way less dangerous. It's less evil and way more fun. It's a pretty good option. Yeah, and, some, and you don't even have to have talent sometimes. Sometimes. People become you, famous. You can be pretty bad. Yes! Pretty bad and still famous, you know? So I'm just saying, it might be a better way to go. It's a little late for these fellows now because it seems like they're probably going to go to jail for a while. Forever. But, um, you know, I'm just saying. The next people. The that next folks that are thinking. ideas from that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Dave, did you uh, get your uh, dog Storm? At a Arby's parking lot? Hmm. I did not. Okay. I thought about it, though. Okay. Well, apparently this is where a dog breeder had apparently set up uh, the selling of one of their puppies was a right. Arby's parking lot. So Classy. a couple in El Paso, Texas, set up an uh, ad on Craigslist Sweet. selling mm -hmm. their French Bulldog puppies. A yep. Man, I love French Bulldog puppies just because they always look irritated. They always just sort of they look perturbed. Little irritated aliens. Yeah, they just it's like whenever you say something, they just look out of their corner of their eye and they have that little smirk to them like, what? <laughs> what did you say? What are you talking about? I do enjoy that about them. Anyways, right. a man responded to the ad and they set up the meeting for the sale of the puppy at the Arby's parking lot, which... Mm -hmm. I mean, let's be honest, Dave. The couple should have known something was up when he suggested the Arby's parking lot. It's well known no. that the only thing that goes down in Arby's parking lots are lots of roast beef and shenanigans. So true. That's all Dude, that goes so down. So much roast beef. They are tasty. <laughs> and so I, much shenanigans. I do love some Arby's, though. If you get it, oh, man. Those curly fries. <laughs> oh, dude, their fries are the best. Mm. So, anyways, when the couple got there, the dude approached their car and asked to see the puppy. The owners then said, well, we need to see your payment first. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. when the man pulled out a knife Jeez. and demanded mm. the puppy and the keys to the owner's car. Oh, so they escalated quickly. You did. Uh, they handed over both, but he just took the puppy and he left in his mm. own car, uh, which was a mm. black older model of Chevrolet Tahoe with silver mm -hmm. rims. So now okay. the uh, police in El Paso are on the lookout for a dude in an older model Chevrolet Tahoe with silver rims that stole a puppy. Um, Dang. I mean, honestly, when when I heard this story and I read through it, I just thought about this dude that, that stole the puppy, and I'm like, how long mm -hmm. did he actually think about this? Like, right. how, how much process did he put in this? Because I feel like... He, he couldn't have put too much thought pretty, into it. Pretty spontaneously. Yeah, like I feel like most likely this was like he was going to pay for the puppy, and then he got there, and he was like, you know what's better? 
stealing it. Word. Let's try like, that. I could steal. He's like, I yeah. don't have to pay these guys. Exactly. Because, like, you know, I've said it before on the show, though, but this would be what, if it was longer than that. If he had thought of this before, this would be one of those great times to run it by a trusted confidant. You know, mm-hmm. uh, to call, to call, you love to, this game. Well, to call <laughs> up somebody and just be like, "Hey, let me know how this sounds." I am planning on answering a Craigslist ad that I found. They're selling French dog, uh, bulldog puppies, and when I mm-hmm. show up for the puppy, I'm gonna pull a knife on them instead of actually buying it and steal their puppy. How does that mm-hmm. sound? And then I'm going to clearly let them see me leaving in my car that I regularly drive around the city of El Paso. Huh? Does that sound like a good mm-hmm. idea, trusted confidant? Nope. And of course, um, I mean, even if your trusted confidant can't talk you out of stealing the puppy, they might at least convince right. you to park around the block so the people can't mm-hmm. see you leaving in your vehicle so true. as you drive away. Like true. Come true. on. I'm Man, just... you'd be a good thief. You think these things through. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's the sad part about these. I'm just like, guys, you didn't even think. And it's obvious they didn't think. I'm just like, you just saw the puppy and you got excited. And you're like, ah, give me that puppy. And it's like, oh, come on, man. Jeez. Yeah. yeah, I guess it's better that they don't think in those cases. Yeah. I guess. These, we want these criminals to get caught. Yeah, yeah. Dave, uh, did you have a toy that you like to carry around when you were... When you were really young, or like a blanket, maybe something like that? No, thank goodness I wasn't a freaking loser. Jeez. Oh, oh, man. I mean, hmm. I, I was a guy that would, like, bring, like, a kid that would, like, bring a ball everywhere. Like, nice. If there was whatever closest you were, ball I you could You were find. such a man. Yeah. I was such a freaking athlete from just a, straight out the womb. Jeez. He just he was carrying around a hockey puck and a baseball bat. And a soccer ball and a basketball. And swimming goggles. Just everything. <laughs> everything. Well, uh, that's not Theo. Nope. Theo is a two year old in Utah. And apparently he's been constantly hanging out with Benny. Word. That's his name mm. for the five foot skeleton Halloween decoration that he hangs out with. Wait, what? Oh my gosh. That is so creepy. But funny. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So his mom, Abigail Brady, said he often has she ha- often has to pack the five foot tall Halloween decoration in her car to run errands because Theo will refuse to leave the house without it. Girl, come on. Abigail said she loves the way her son's <laughs> unusual friendship is making people smile. She said, quote, 2020 has been probably one of the craziest years in a while. And I know it has brought a lot of people, uh, or it has brought a lot of people of turmoil and hardship. My mm-hmm. hope mm-hmm. is that this can just spread happiness. Word. Mm. Even if it makes someone's day for a couple of minutes, that makes me so happy. So now, uh. apparently, wherever they go, Theo insists that Benny the skeleton comes with him. Uh, but I, I gotta say, like you said, Dave, no offense to Abigail, but this does not make my day. This creeps me out. No, like, it's just like, it's like when I'm thinking about having kids in the future, and when is the first time that this kid said this, and you were just like, okay, you're crying, I'm just gonna let you get away with it yeah. so that we can continue with our day. Well, and then apparently it just becomes, he... 
a reoccurring he, thing over and over. Yeah, and over. he tried to drag it out of the uh, the basement, and his mm. mom actually helped him with it. And now it goes everywhere with it. I mean, like if it were like a cat or a dog or another kid or a stuffed animal, sure, that'd be nice. But a kid that wants to hang out with a skeleton? Nope. That doesn't make my day. Nope. Like that creeps me out. Go and get then it checked out. Then he, she said in the article, the kid wants the skeleton to sleep in the chair beside his bed every night. Uh, <laughs> and I was just like, "What?" Just freaking watching it. No, you know how many nightmares I'd have if I was that kid. Oh, and you just wake up and you're like, "Oh God." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dave, uh, quick story here. Um, we've had a lot of tiger stories on the show over the years. Mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I think my favorite was when the dude tried to sneak a tiger cub across the Mexican border. Yes! That was my favorite. Yes. Classic. Well, I've got another one. Last week, Knoxville, Tennessee, there were reports of a tiger on the loose. People were mm. pretty scared. Um, yeah. Several people called the Tennessee Wildlife Resource Agency. When an officer arrived on the scene where the sightings mm -hmm. had been made, the officer found a bobcat. Wait, what? <laughs> after, funny. after the bobcat was relocated and they took a couple of other things into consideration, it was determined that people had actually thought a bobcat was a tiger. Just And where was this? This was in Knoxville, Tennessee. Just Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. Just think about that, Dave. A cat that weighs 35 pounds, that has spots instead of stripes, and a bob tail was mistaken for a cat that can get up to 600 pounds, has stripes, and a three-foot tail. I, I, I mean, I, it, and you would think a, a place like Tennessee and the mountains and stuff would be familiar what a bobcat looks like. Well, I can tell you, Dave, I'm not hiring anyone in Knoxville to be my field guide on a safari. Nope. It's not happening. Oh, heck no. <laughs> hey, okay, over on the right, you'll see an elephant. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's an armadillo. Yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> it's whatever. Armadillo, elephant. You got it. Yeah, there you go. Okay, Dave, last story before break. Uh, it's okay. been a while since we've had uh, some news that doesn't suck. So true. So, Oh, yes. I thought we'd throw some news that doesn't suck here at the end of our rip from the headlines. Please do. So uh, in Utah, the Valdez family, they're a fan of pizza. I mean, who isn't, uh. right? I like where this story is going. Yes! And usually when they decide to uh, get pizza, they deliver it from Papa John's. I do it occasionally, okay. too. They're loyal. You know? Okay. I'm a One day, guy, but... Okay. It doesn't... Hey, it's it's wherever you want to go with it, you know? I mean, right. Domino's has upped their game recently, so I can understand. That's a fact. Um, anyways. Uh, one day, when they opened the door to the delivery, they uh, found a unique Papa John's delivery man. It was Derlin Newey. Derlin mm, okay. looked pretty unique uh, because mm -hmm. he's uh, noticeably older than other delivery guys. Derlin oh, yeah. is 89 years old. Jeez. Yeah, I saw this one. Yeah. I didn't click on it, but I saw it. Yeah, so Derlin... He quickly won the Valdez family over, you know. Mm -hmm. Every time Probably he delivers, well, every time he delivers a pizza, he has a signature phrase, 
They open the door. Oh. And he says, hello, are you looking for some pizza? Sweet. Right? That's his phrase. That's his phrase. Mm. The, the Valdez family liked him so much that when they started ordering pizza, they would ask for Durlin specifically. They're like, hey, is Durlin working? If so, can he deliver it? Right? And they started featuring him on their TikTok mm -hmm. page. They have a TikTok page uh, called oh. Vending Heads. Vending, Vending Heads. Vending Heads? Yeah, and apparently they have 53,000 followers. Jeez. And, wow. uh, and people kept commenting... Why is this old man ordering or delivering pizzas? He's so he's so old. Why is he mm -hmm. delivering pizzas? So they ask and they found out it's because Durlin, who lives alone, was just living off of Social Security before starting work at uh, Papa John's and he couldn't pay his bills. Mm -hmm. So he had to start oh. working as a delivery man. So he worked mm -hmm. 30 hours a week just to basically survive to pay the bills. Jeez. Oh, well, poor guy. Well, that settled it. They asked their TikTok followers if they could get some money together for Durlin because he's such a nice guy. And on Tuesday yeah. morning, they gave Durlin a check for $12,069 <laughs> from all of his fans on TikTok. That now, is freaking awesome. Now, when Carlos Valdez gave him the check, he said, uh, Durlin said, how do I ever thank you? I, I don't know what to say. He then oh. asked them, how they got the money, and they told him, uh, they told him about TikTok, probably my favorite part. And <laughs> Durlin, Durlin said, "So, so you talk to each other through messages on the telephone?" Word. They said yes, oh, yes. Durlin. Oh my god. So, so Durlin apparently hasn't stayed too hip with the technology of the past couple of years, but. Carlos said he needed this. I'm just glad we could help. We just need oh. to treat people with kindness and respect the way that Durlin does. He stole our hearts. Yes. Oh. Yes. Amen, Carlos. Thanks, guys. Amen. Oh, man. I needed that good story. Exactly. Dave, we are going to take a break. We are going to hear from the Ben Miller band, but... We will be right back with an extra long interview with Ben Miller right after this.
Welcome back to the show, everybody. Today we have a fantastic musician and songwriter, frontman of the Ben Miller Band, Mr. Ben Miller. Ben, how are you, sir? Yeah, how's it going? I'm good, man. Uh, you know, I I was looking, and I've seen that you've done a couple of shows recently. Yeah. You've got back into the show game. You did a couple of uh, socially distant shows. So uh, yeah, we've done, I'm guessing... We've done... Uh, we've done... Go ahead. Yeah, we've done some uh, some here with the full band, and and also some uh, some solo stuff I've been I've been doing because uh, one of our band members still still isn't comfortable doing indoor mm -hmm. anythings, mm -hmm. uh, even if it's social distancing. So so I'm sort of doing a 50-50 right now of uh, of doing doing shows myself, and then then also bringing out the full band when it's when it's doable. For sure, for sure. Now is that is that Scott that's uh, not comfortable with it? Hmm. Yeah, Scott's. He, I mean, his his wife is sort of immunocompromised, yeah. and uh, you know the likelihood of getting sick is low. But if it if it did go wrong, it would be a real bad deal. And for I don't sure, think either one of us would be able to live with ourselves if we did that. Definitely, definitely. Now, I'm guessing though, up to that point, when when did you do the first show, sort of on your own, that wasn't like a live stream, but like actually in person? Gosh, um, I don't remember the date, but it was quite a ways into it. I mean, at the beginning yeah. of the. Of, of the lockdown i was locked down i was uh, <laughs> you know just I, I was i was real scared of the of the virus oh for and, sure uh, pretty much turned into a full-fledged alcoholic just drinking every day and not <laughs> not going not going anywhere and <laughs> i think that happened to a lot of people actually alcohol sales went through the roof yeah. uh for sure i i understand it yeah but uh, with that, I'm guessing that's sort of the longest you went without playing a show for. I mean, really, since you got you since you started the band, right? Yeah, yeah, Ab it, by far, by far. I mean, like uh, we'd take a week off here or there. Yeah, uh, but but gen generally, it was you know never ending tour. I mean, it, it, you know, I say tour, but you know, it, it was also like a lot of regional, yeah, regional stuff on weekends. You know. At, at least you know two or three shows a week for sure uh, for probably like 15 15 years yeah. i haven't taken more than a a week or maybe two off man uh yeah so so three months into it it was like boy I, what, what, what is do this? i do I mean, with myself such, yeah <laughs> <laughs> well I mean, it's such a weird uh feeling and it's hard to know exactly um how to how to utilize that that kind of uh shift in in your life yeah um, and uh, I, I sort of, I, I don't know if it was uh, really intentional or, or if it was all just, just drinking so much. I, I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to, I didn't pick up a guitar. I didn't play music at home. I didn't write anything. I, I was, I was full on, full on, you know, after 15 years or so. Yeah. And, you know, being sort of through the ringer the past few years, uh, it, I, I kind of wanted to, you know, make sure I still liked doing it, that I still wanted to do it because I think yeah. in life sometimes we can, we can get an inertia going oh, that, uh, sure. that, that, that sort of can masquerade as, as a desire. Well, and I, well, and I mean, I think a lot of the artists, like you said, you, you know, that first part of it, you didn't really do much. Nope. And I've, I've talked to several artists and like all of a sudden you're given this opportunity of time to write because you can't tour but it's like it was forced <laughs> on you and you didn't know what right. to do with it and it's like we had the cold stairs on and that's what he you know he was he said the exact same thing it was like uh, I, I i couldn't play i couldn't because they had all these they had all these plans to go on these tours and i know you had a european tour that was planned and just 
all of these things get canceled, and then all of a sudden you're just sitting there like, hmm. what do I do now? <laughs> where do where right. do we go? So yeah, right. I, and and dur- during tur- during touring, it's it's always like, boy, if I could just have this time at home, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd do so much with it. And 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 it, it, you know, it's it, it's not solely one thing. You know, it's a it's a confluence of a bunch of different different stuff that's going on. Also, being scared is world ending, and you yeah, know, that everybody's going to get sick. That I'm going to get sick, and you know, mm-hmm. there's. Uh, you know, do I need to start prepping and <laughs> that kind of <laughs> stuff? So there, there's like a, a bunch of stuff that, that sort of uh, kept me from, uh, and and also just really checking in of like, do I do I really want to? Yeah. Um, because you know, doing doing stuff you don't want to do, you you end up doing stuff that you don't want to have done. Well, and sometimes you think about it too much, and that becomes a problem because you just sort of get too introspective of like, do I really want to do this? And then you start like, well, what do I really want to do? I don't know what I really want to do. Oh, no. And then you're <laughs> sitting there, and it just makes it even worse. So uh, one of the things that you did, though, you, I, I've seen this with most artists that we've had on the show. You know, uh, Well, most of them have done just a lot of live streams and like remote sessions and recorded sessions. And from what I can tell, like you said, you did some live streams there. You started getting into it. You did a couple of them in in July on Facebook. And uh, just just knowing what I know of your band and seeing what I've seen of your band, I feel like like you aren't a big fan of live stream. But how, how did that go? Like, how did those feel to you when you did those live streams? It, it felt it felt better that doing it than uh, than I thought it would. You watching yeah. watching the live streams, watching live streams on Facebook and stuff. I it uh, I can't really describe what feeling it gave me, but it, I didn't really like I, I didn't really <laughs> like watching the live streams on yeah. Facebook. And I, I'm not put I'm not putting them down by any means, man. I, I, no. know people people seem to enjoy them online, but doing them live live streams uh, it, it feels about the same as as doing a real show yeah uh so so from from that perspective looking through your my own eyes on on the stage it it didn't it didn't really uh generally i get into a a zone where i'm not really uh i I didn't acknowledge uh inside my brain that i that it was going out to people you still had that cathartic experience yeah 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 felt 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 about uh, about like it did before yeah, well, and I've noticed that more like uh, artists like yourself that are, are you know, uh, more sort of reliant on your own and, you know, sort of play a lot of things by yourself and a lot of different uh, instruments. It seems to come out better on the live streams, too, because, I mean, I know I've had some artists that rely on a lot of sort of you know, technology and a lot of uh, yeah, processing and stuff in their in their albums. And so when it comes through on a live stream, you're like, eh, this doesn't seem as yeah. this doesn't seem as fun. This doesn't seem as as lively as it does on the album. So I think it does come better uh, from f- from people like you, from artists like you that that can sort of do it at any level of production you know it sounds good at sort of any level of production just a guitar and you or a whole band and uh you know a person mixing and whatnot so i I think that could could help the experience for the listener at least well that's that's good to hear yeah i haven't gone back and listened to any of the the stream stuff (laughs) i've done it it, it's just impossible to to have any kind of uh 
to me is it's, it's of basically no no use. I like the things that I notice are, are so different than things that uh, I think a listener would. That yeah, that you know what's what's the, what's the point really? <laughs> well, it just it just kills you because then you're sitting there, like you said, you're like, oh, I should have done this. Oh, I should have done that. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, that was dumb. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, right. I, I can totally understand. <laughs> well, for the listeners out there that aren't familiar, uh, your guys' band, Ben Miller Band, is out of Joplin, Miss, uh, Missouri, um, which I've never been to, but I gotta say, it seems oh. like I should go. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's right there on the line of four states, Missouri, Kansas, Arkansas, Oklahoma. Yes! Um, now mm-hmm. to me, looking at that and sort of, you know, listening to your guys' sound, it really made sense because it seems like it's in this place of sort of crossroads of Americana, sort of a wash of everything and i mean in your music that's what you you're not like joblin's not close really close to anything as far as like a a music mecca of like new orleans with jazz or nashville with country so you get sort Mm -hmm. of all these mixtures of everything would you say there's like a a certain genre that people gravitate towards in joplin or is it a wash as far as everybody that lives there Oh, I, I think just I, I think just like almost anywhere, things move with more accessibility to uh, to you know a variety of music with recorded music. Mm-hmm. I think I think things get more homogenized. I mean, in oh, Joplin, yeah. there's everything from death metal to you know just string bands, and it, it doesn't yeah. really matter. You know, things have gotten a lot more niche. I think in the past, say, uh, fifty years or so, for sure. Uh, for- but but yeah, I, I think that there is something that that we do sound like where we're from and I, it wasn't like a conscious yeah. uh, decision it wasn't it wasn't like anybody was like okay we're gonna set out to be you know uh the jimmy buffett of the planes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it just things just turn out to sound kind of like what you know it's like uh grapes will take on the the flavor of the the dirt that they're in and and i yeah. think just just by just by a sort of a, a natural um evolution yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, now on the topic of Joplin, I've got to get this question in because I ask it to almost every single person I have on the show. If I come to Joplin and I call you up and I say, Ben, I'm coming to Joplin for the night. I need the best place I can eat. Where are you going to tell me to eat? What restaurant should I go to? Uh, Boy, um, I would like if, if are you interested in bar scene as well? Whatever you think would be the best experience for me, I could hit up a bar. Sure. Okay, for quintessential Joplin uh, people, mm-hmm. uh, I would I would say <laughs> Blackthorn Pizza down on down downtown. Nice. Uh, it, it's uh, just run by good people. It's been there a while. Uh, a friend of mine started it. Uh, he's he since sold it, but the the gal Melanie running it now. She's she's doing a great job. And nice. It, it's just where all the it's where all the good people go. <laughs> nice. Now, what kind of what kind of pizza would you say is is it known for? Is it like a is it like a New York style or is it like a Chicago style? Uh, it's more like a New York style. Nice. Uh, but I, I recommend I recommend the healthy hippie on a on a cauliflower crust. The cauliflower Ooh. crust there is real good. Yeah. Oh, oh, 
Oh, going healthy with the with the cauliflower. I like it. I like it. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I got I ate so much bad stuff during quarantine. <laughs> I, was, I got fat. I was just drinking beer every day and like eating you know, you know frozen pizzas and stuff. It was awful. Well, I know what you're like. It's like you're saying you're afraid to go out because you're like, what's going on out there? So you're just like trying to eat whatever you can without having to interact with people. I was the same way, and right. about you know a couple months into it, I was like, I got to start getting some vegetables in my life that's right like i need to, need to see <laughs> yeah. those things again to be healthy yeah well now i've uh i've heard this a bunch when i was when i was going back and i was looking over a lot of your interviews i noticed uh i saw that you're a fan of analogies which really got me excited oh, yeah. Cause I'm I'm a huge oh. fan of analogies. Like you know, in my teaching career, that's literally what I tell uh, the interviewers when I have a new job. I tell them best thing about my teaching is I can find an analogy for almost anything. That's right. And heck yeah. So I was thinking about that, and I also know you're a fan of knowing the stories behind music and just sort of getting to know that you know the creation, right? And so I wanted to tell you my analogy for sort of for for hearing and appreciating music for people. This is this is what I uh, this is what I tell people. Are you ready? I'm excited. I'm excited. (laughs) Well, so getting into a song, getting to know a song for most people, I see very similar to a person finding a girl or guy they like. So true. Basically, getting into like a relationship because usually you're first drawn in by the melody or the chorus or the beat. Something about that just that initial auditory sound draws you in and you're like this I like this, which is very mm-hmm. akin to you being attracted visually to a girl or a guy because of how the person looks. It's an infatuation. You're just like, yeah, right? And then you ah. listen to it for a little bit and that's when you start interpreting the lyrics which is very Uh similar as to once you start going out on a couple of dates with the person, you start getting to know them. And you're like, I like this about their personality. I like that. And it's the same thing with the lyrics. You're like, you know what? I relate to this. This makes sense to me. I like this. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, if it goes long enough, right, you, you you start wanting to know why they were like that. Why 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 right. is that your opinion on the thing? So then you start going back and you start finding things about, you know, their their life, their history, where where did they come from? It's the same thing with a with a song. If you really like that song, you're going to be like, I love those lyrics. Why did they write them that way? What made them do that? Mm-hmm. What what was that going to be? So I always tell people that's the way I look at music. You first get drawn in by the music, then you get drawn in by the lyrics later. The l- lyrics usually come later and deeper, and then the story is that last part that really draws you in. There are times that you can start at different levels, just like it is with the relationship. There's people that you can meet that their personality is awesome, and you don't really like their uh, their looks that much, but they're just great, you know. And that's the same right. with music. So, how do you like that analogy? I love that analogy, and if it's not too much of a stretch, I would I would say that uh, relationships sometimes uh, mature in the same way that you have a relationship with a song. Yeah. Where at, at first with the song, sometimes you'll have uh, a lot of excitement and you, and you just have to listen to it every day. Mm-hmm. And then as time goes on, it, it becomes more of a comfort, uh, mm-hmm. I've found at least. Yeah. And and, uh, and I think in relationships as well, it, it, you know, 
that 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 hot and heavy early relationship mm-hmm. passion uh it, it it does that doesn't that can't last forever yeah uh, but it doesn't it doesn't mean it's like that your relationship isn't as good it, it just sort of evolves into something mm-hmm. else i mean i'll go i'll go back to old songs sometimes sometimes i'll go back to very old songs that i've forgotten about and just like it'll just you know rekindle that oh 100 percent that, that, that feeling in me i mean not the same excitement of of having just discovered something no. for the first time but 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 with like a, a, a deeper i don't know a, a deeper pattern ingrained in in our synapse pathways well and you and you it's like you said you you now know those other levels you know you know the stories behind it you know the you know the lyrics inside and out and you just and you just go back and you appreciate all of it as one and i mm-hmm. definitely do that with a, a lot of the artists that i you know really love like sam cook yes! He never gets old. Like I can go back yeah. and turn on a Sam Cooke song and just be blown away every single time. That's a fact. And it's and like you said, it's not as it's not as much as far as like wanting to sing along with it and everything like the first time that you hear it and the first several times you hear it, but it's still just like wow, he did that. Wow, that is yeah. amazing. <laughs> like, you know, it's so yeah, I I always, you know, I always fall back on that analogy and I think I think it works so it's well. It's a good one. So It's a real I, good one, yeah. I wanted I wanted to I want to take the listeners to that third step even before if okay. they haven't if they haven't heard if they haven't heard your music, I want to skip forward <laughs> and give them a little bit of the backstory if we can uh, as far as the okay. uh, the Ben Miller story. So uh, like I said, you guys are out of Joplin, but but you're not from Joplin originally. Uh, you're, no, you're, fr- you're from Washington, Washington State, like way out in the middle of nowhere, right? Middle of nowhere, little place called Curlew. Like I highly recommend anybody get on satellite view, <laughs> Google Maps, and 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 look at <laughs> look at where I'm from because it's it. I mean, there's a uh, you know a few hundred people in, or maybe a yeah. hundred people in a town. And I was about like to say, that. I think I saw the population was like 126 or something Jeez. like that. And it's uh, <laughs> very yeah. small. It, it's inc- it was incredibly rural. Yeah, actually, I was born in uh, in uh, Canada. We're mm. right up there by the Canadian border. And uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the closest hospital by ours was, uh, was, was in Canada. So when mm. my mom went into labor, we were, I mean, probably at that time, we lived in a, a trailer up on the Lone Ranch Creek Road. And mm-hmm. uh, we, it was like ten minutes to the Canadian border, so I got dual citizenship from nice. <laughs> from being from landing on Canadian soil first. I like it. And, uh, nice. But, yeah. Then they brought me back, and uh, <laughs> if anything ever gets too bad in in America, you can always head up to our friendly northern neighbors and be like, "Hey, guys, I'm back." What took me a little while, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. Yeah, I wonder about that. I wonder if I can if I. If it's legal to go up there, I think you have to have like a sponsor or, or a job yeah. or something. Even if you're, even if you're a citizen, maybe yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure. I haven't looked into it. That's I think I'm sticking say. it out here, and I'm sticking it out in the U.S. Come hell or high water. Well, jo- Joplin sounds like a like I said, sounds like a nice place. But well, yeah, actually, I'm, I moved from Joplin uh, recently. Uh, I'm oh. down in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Moved to Fayetteville, oh. Arkansas recently. B- bought my first house. Wow, Fayetteville. So right, right mm-hmm. there with the uh, University of Arkansas, Fayetteville. Yeah, go Razorbacks, right? Yeah. <laughs> there, they had some good, not good football the last several years, but I remember oh back when I was growing up, their basketball was amazing. 
I mean, yeah. they had some good teams back in the day there for sure. Yeah, but boy, football's been hurting lately. <laughs> it's I thought what's his name from Wisconsin when they got him, it was going to sort of turn around. He really didn't turn out to do so much there. It wasn't no. wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But anyways, I want to go back because like you were saying, you you're you're in the middle of nowhere what? and I saw that it like a lot of folks that I've had on the show as far as artists sort of the entertainment as far as music was your parents your your parents records and right i was wondering what 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 were some of those original records that you really got into that uh really piqued your interest as far as music well it was kind of two-pronged because my my mom she's a she was born and raised down in california so she sort of had the 1960s hippie-ish uh peter paul Mm -hmm. mary bob dylan beatles Mm uh sort of sort of that that genre and then my dad he was actually raised down here in arkansas in bentonville oh. and uh so so he had sort of this bluegrass uh i remember listening to uh flats and scrugs and uh, nice will a circle be unbroken from the nitty-gritty dirt band and 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 so like going through all the records it was sort of this uh I, looking back i mean it was kind of a schizophrenic type type of way to learn about music but uh, in, a, in a good way it, it didn't give me any kind of I, I never thought about genre too much. It was just yeah. like, did I like this record? Did I like that record? Did yeah. did that make me feel feel good? And I, you know, that's I I'm glad that I got that kind of you know the sort of the wild word wordplay of, of Bob Dylan or, or the Beatles, and and then at the same time, sort of this the simplicity and the beauty, the you know, the country caviar of, of Hank Williams Sr. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of those, I mean, you mentioned three that are, are referenced all the time in this documentary. But have you have you seen Ken Burns's documentary on country music? I still I still haven't. I have not seen it. Uh, but people told me I need to need to get a look at it. Is it's, it on Netflix? It's great. It is not yet, which is upsetting. They have the they have the Vietnam documentary, his Vietnam documentary, which is good, just doesn't have anything to do mm-hmm. with music. But um, right. <laughs> you know, the country music one's great because it, it literally goes from Jimmy Rogers all the way mm-hmm. up to it really sort of stops at Garth Brooks. It doesn't really talk about sort of the you know bro right. country scene that's going on on radio now. But like right. it. Uh, yeah, it does such a great job of going through splitting sort of the Jimmy Rogers vein and the the Carter family vein and sort of then going out to bluegrass uh, and, and, like you said, Scruggs and Flat and just sort of uh, evolving into all of these different pockets of country. And uh, right. it's right. it's really he does he does such a good job with with documentaries. It's it's I mean I'm looking forward to to looking at it. Yeah, I, I really want to see it and you know sort of get his take on on the, the evolution because that's such a fascinating thing how how uh, recorded music uh, came came to be and and how these how these genres sort of um, separated from one another and, yeah. and also sort of intersected with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read this really interesting book. I think it was. It might have been how the Beatles killed music, but it <laughs> it, 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 it elucidated a little bit of something that that I always try to remember is that that genres aren't aren't really they're not like a scientific classification system for music yeah. where well, they're they're more of a marketing idea where mm-hmm. you know country music uh, it, it it was marketed to people in the country you know from mm-hmm. the from the Hillbilly rural areas music. yeah. 
Right. So it, so it, it's more about you know who who how they could sell those records to people. I mean, originally, I, I guess uh, all the record store was just alphabetical. So you had to mm-hmm. know the name of the person you wanted to buy, and then they figured out that they could they could sell more records uh, if if next to the person that you wanted to buy was another record that you they thought Similar. you might like. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and it's it actually talks about that at really at the start of that documentary is is looking at sort of uh, the guy that first started recording all of those country artists. I can't remember what his name is right now, but he maybe he worked H- for H-C the Spear maybe. Ah, that sounds. I I do know it was initials. I do know there were. Okay. I can't remember if that was, but you know he worked for the Victor Company, and that was they uh, he he recorded the first hillbilly record and like they they didn't know really they were like well we can't put this in with these other recordings that we've already done because they had started doing these records for different uh immigrant populations like they had done you know you know the the irish immigrants and the german immigrants and here's and so they were like where do we put this and they're like just call it hillbilly music and like and the thing that they talk (laughs) about and they bring up is you know everything that hank williams learned was from a black guy it was blues from a black guy in mississippi and everything Mm -hmm. everything that uh that um uh johnny cash learned uh, was uh, well, not everything, but a lot of things that he learned was was from a black guy in Memphis, and so right. you know, I mean, Mix- you have yeah. you know, the races mixing all the time, even though they wanted to separate and say, well, okay, hillbilly music is white person music, and then we have this <laughs> race music that's the that's black music, and you know, they're really doing the same thing up until you know those genre walls had came up for several years later on. Um, but right. yeah, it's it's right. really fascinating. Uh, it would have been great for you uh, in that first part of the pandemic when you weren't going out because it's a good <laughs> it's a good it's a good eighteen hours that you could have had oh, right geez. there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It goes. It goes. It's uh, it's nine <laughs> nine parts. So it. Uh, yeah. Well, it's, good. It's I mean, a good one. <laughs> I think if I if I get sick or something, I'll I'll just binge it in the in there the bed, you go. sweating out the sweating out <laughs> the sick. <laughs> There you go. That's with all of them. I mean, I listeners already know. I actually, uh, I've gone over Ken Burns before. They probably turned the station when they heard it. So but true. He, <laughs> he he makes. I mean, he's he's amazing at making them. His Civil War documentary is amazing. His 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 Vietnam documentary is amazing. His jazz one, yeah, that's the only one that's not that great. Like I think he could have right. done a better job on the jazz one, but the country music one. That one's amazing. That one's amazing. Anyways, I got really (laughs) sidetracked. I want to go back. And so you actually didn't get into music until a little bit later in life. So you were more visual arts when you were younger, right? Yeah. In in, in the school I went to, you you had to make a decision of of like either be into art or music. And uh, my brother was a real uh, good musician, and and so I sort of was. I, I guess I decided I'd I'd uh, I'd go for the other. That so spot was I, already I, I, taken. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no need to compete on another level for the love of yeah. our parents. <laughs> but uh, we, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I listen to music. I mean, growing up, I, I listened to like um, the you know my parents' record yeah. collection, but then also sort of. I don't know at what age, but started getting into Guns N' Roses and, and nice. stuff like that. 
and uh, REM and <laughs> uh, yeah, hip hop as well. I was, I was super into hip hop for for a hot minute there. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then when I went to uh, when I went to art school, uh, turned mm-hmm. eighteen and, and decided I was going to go to art school in Philadelphia, all the way across mm-hmm. the country. No, that was a world exactly. of difference i'm guessing <laughs> it was it was a world of difference in so many ways there was there was nothing similar yeah uh, it, and it, but it was it was good in a in that way um i mean it was it was hard i had to learn a lot of things pretty quick but it i think it it gave me sort of this background confidence of i can i can go to any place and yeah. i'll figure it out once i get there which I, yeah. th- I think is probably more useful than anything else I, I'd learned. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, especially in art school, it was a for sure. It, it was a, I mean, you know, I'm not putting art school down, but it, it you know, I, I don't really use it too much. Well, you know, being a musician, it's a little bit different of a of an art for sure. <laughs> I think I think it's a vastly different different form. You know, it's, yeah, doing doing visual art is super contemplative, and you do it by yourself, and you work a long time, and then one day everything comes out and then it's over uh yeah. but but songs songs you write you can you can write a good song and and people want to hear it again and again uh for until for you're sick of, of it and don't want to play it ever again <laughs> right and then you, <laughs> and you, <laughs> then you still keep have it to do it. you screwed up yeah <laughs> right yeah <laughs> yeah that would that'd be that'd be something if uh you wrote a song that you hated and everybody, that was the that was the greatest song that people thought you had, and you had to do that rest of your life. That's, well, I that's mean, a scary you know, box. It's it's funny. Me me and my dad were just talking about that the other weekend, actually, because you know, I mean that it, it it's funny because actually the the last guest that I had on the show, uh, the the band Sleeping Wolf, uh, they were talk. I I asked him because I always am sort of curious about it as far as an artist streams how many streams you know one song has versus mm-hmm. the other and i wonder if if they think like that's the song that should have the most streams or if they're like no i don't i don't think that's my best song and i don't know why people love it and you know i asked them about that and they were like yeah no well, there's there's a couple songs we definitely think should be way bigger than they are and we don't really know why <laughs> that one's number 1 and i started thinking yeah. about it and like that's so many artists out there. I mean, like, you know, uh, the the Eagles with Life in the Fast Lane, they wrote that in two seconds, and the riff was a warm-up that Joe Walsh liked to play. The... Like, that's... <laughs> what? He just did that to warm his fingers up. And the same thing with Sweet Child of Mine for Guns N' Roses. Slash oh, really? said he hated that. Yeah, he said he hated that riff. Like, he couldn't stand it. And so, you know, Dang. talking about playing it all the time, they had, I mean, you know, that's their big sort of, uh, the, their closer for a long time was Sweet Child of Mine. So, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because I think, I think it's one of those things that for the artist, at least from, from my point, it's like the artist is just sort of, it's it's upsetting because those other songs they've worked so hard on, they had to sort of craft <laughs> into right. what they thought really sounded good, whereas, like, Sweet Child of Mine, he just did that on a whim, and it wasn't really any effort that went into it, and people are like, oh, that's amazing. He's like, what about this? I've been working on this for for two weeks, and nobody said anything about it, you know? So do, do you have any songs like that that, that you feel underappreciated I, with? I don't know. I, like, I, I don't uh, I, I don't really look at numbers or anything like that, and, you know, it. I, I think that there's only one true 
judge measure of a song and and it's mm-hmm. you know it, it varies by listener and it's really just uh if it makes you feel something then it's a good song and if it doesn't then it's not a good song for you yeah and uh yeah. you know, I, it and that that kind of viewpoint i think free frees a person as a songwriter to not you know not worry if it, I, I think the worst thing uh to do or, or that i've ever kind of <laughs> allowed myself to to get into the mindset of is oh i'm gonna i'm gonna make a great song here that everybody's gonna mm. love because mm-hmm. uh, that, that boy that that doesn't uh that doesn't do anything except you know you, you start editing yourself and you start guessing what people are gonna want and uh yeah and we, and people can smell that somehow and it, or at least i can uh you know i, I <laughs> listening to my own setup i'll be like oh that i was actually just full of it you know kind of yeah trying to put that one together and and you know i think songs have to come from you know first a place where you think it's uh it, you it makes you feel something and, and then just kind of cross your fingers and and uh hope that it makes other people feel what it made you feel uh and yeah it's, i think songwriting is part of the, partly that process of switching between creator and listener and just mm-hmm. sort of trying to trying to get a gauge on your own uh, your own visceral reaction to what you've just yeah. made, and then adju- adjusting it to, you know, turn up the temperature somewhere, and, or cut pieces out that are just dead wood. Yeah, yeah. Well, creatively, I think that's you know most creative arts in in general mm-hmm. is like you said. It is it, when you try to cater to the, the the consumer, it's gonna just it's gonna suffer. It's not going to be what you really can do. And I mean, I can even see it. Like, I have no idea what listeners of this show want to actually hear. So true. Like, I'll try, <laughs> right. to, like, I try to come up with something, and I'm like, okay, well, that actually had less listens than the thing before. Okay, I have no idea. I have absolutely got, no I, idea what brings people in. Like, I got an analogy for it, if you want to hear it. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... Um, I, I was sort of having that, that this thought of, of you know like do you, do you, should you care about what people want or do you should how how do you how do you, what kind of mindset do you have to be in uh, to sort of be honest with yourself and, and, mm-hmm. and create things and I came up with I was I was walking my dog and uh, I was uh, I was letting him lead the way and so wherever mm-hmm. he went I was I was like all right let's go let's go explore this you know you know <laughs> what's whatever's yeah. in these bushes whatever and, you want to smell he, there you go <laughs> right whatever you want to do we're in I'm into it I'm along for the ride you know which yeah. is you know you know good intention and but I noticed after a while he got kind of kind of bored and mm-hmm. uh and then, then I switched the mindset to sort of uh Caesar Milan alpha dog uh just yeah. to be like let's go over here joey Let, let's check what mm-hmm. oh i think there's something over here come on with me let's do this <laughs> and and just my being excited just seemed to you know Energize it made him, him so much more so much more happy than than if that if i was just trying to you know indulge him in in sort of a in sort of yeah. a, a way yeah i get yeah i I, to, I totally i totally see what yeah what you're saying you can't really can't really let the consumer guide your your creative process because they they don't really know what they're going to like and you don't really know what they're gonna like so it's better as the artist to really just do what you what you feel at the time what you like you said what causes that visceral reaction um Mm -hmm. totally makes sense well something that does not usually stimulate the the listener would be open mic nights. Um, they're usually okay. not the best, the best place. But you were doing open mic nights when you met 
Scott Leeper, that was where you guys first met up in Joplin, was at an open mic night, which... Uh, when I was in a band, I did several open mic nights, and I gotta say, that's why I said most people don't enjoy it, because most of the people there, they're usually not too jazzed about what's going on. It's usually like, oh, what are these guys doing over here? Oh, are they gonna play? Oh, this guy's gonna play. Oh, no. (laughs) This guy. So, I gotta ask, because Scott Scott plays the washtub bass most of the time. That's, you know, that's Mm -hmm. sort of his big, big uh, instrument there. He wasn't playing that at at the open mic nights, was he? <laughs> no, no. He he had a, he had a full solo act. So he he's a, he's also a wonderful singer and guitar player. Oh, and, uh, okay. He had, he had a full solo act going, and and uh, I just loved what he was. He was doing sort of the hill country, Delta blues stuff. Uh, nice. Which, you know, once I once I went to college, I sort of got or I say college, but art school. I uh, I got into that stuff real heavy, and so I was amazed to you know it was the first time I really seen someone do it as well as he was doing it and so i uh from that i told him i was like you know if you ever want to if you ever want to make some money i got some shows and we can split a show you know you can start out and then i'll i'll uh i'll finish up the night and you know we'll we'll split split the kitty uh nice and then uh we did that for a while and then one night without saying i i can't recall him saying anything about (laughs) anything uh, he, he's kind of a quiet. <laughs> I was quiet about to guy. say he seems like a very quiet guy. Very, yeah. But one day I was just playing my half of the show, and uh, he walks up on stage with a washtub bass and starts playing <laughs> it. And uh, and uh, you know, I was like, all right, I guess this is this is sort of what we're doing now. And uh, just sort yeah, just of kind of merges into your set with the washtub bass. Like here I am. Oh my God, yeah. where did you come from? Oh, okay. I guess we'll, we'll <laughs> yeah. go ahead and go with this then. That sounds good. It's, yeah, it worked out. It worked out. It's a, it's a very difficult instrument to play. Yes! Uh, I mean, obviously, there's no, obvi- there's no fret. You've got one string. You're all doing right. it by ear to, to hit the tune of the, the chord progression. Like, it's very impressive. Now, I do have to say... I've heard several times you mention that Scott Leaper is the best washtub bass player in the world. Mm. Now, I'm yeah. not dis- I'm not disputing that fact. But Good. but we did have the Hog Slop string band on the show and Uh-oh. they said that their washtub bass pickle was the best in the world. So I No kid What's the name did. of that band again? I Hog Slop string band. Hog Slop string uh, band. Hog, slop. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna. Yep. I'm saving. That, I'm saving that for later, and then. Uh, and then I'm gonna look it up. The, the the most insane thing that Scott does, and this this is what I mean, something that's so beyond me that it's it's otherworldly type <laughs> of ability. Is he mm-hmm. sing, he plays this pitched instrument where the string gets tighter, the note goes up, which yeah. by itself is hard hard to do. Oh yeah. But at the same at the same time, he's singing harmonies with me. Wow. Which is a uh, I mean, I can't, I can't, it, it takes a bit for me to even sing a harmony and uh, yeah. to do both those at the same time. It's like having two brains that, that are, that are both good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's sort of like, I mean, you know, I grew up playing percussion and it's always amazing to me when uh, you get a really accomplished per, uh, percussionist who can do two completely different rhythms on two hands. 
I mean, they're, mm-hmm. you know, they're doing triplets on this hand and they're doing 16th notes on the other hand. And you're just uh, like, it, what? How? How? It's insane. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, it. it's really insane that people are so, I mean, just uh, like on the face of it, looking at anybody who's playing a, a drum kit. It's kind of amazing that that all of their limbs are working in in <laughs> such tandem beauty and and making a a, a noise that's steady and, and and at the same time interesting. It's it's kind of a, an amazing thing that that our brains can do that. And oh, I don't yeah. think their brain I don't think anybody's really thinking about what they're doing. You know, I think no. it's it's sort of a on the on the automatic nervous system uh level of of, of work and I, th- I think that's like you said with with uh, all of that i mean even with like scott i think that's sort of a, a natural thing that he has the ability to do like you said sort of just goes into autonomic cruise control and right somehow he can do that harmony and adjust the note at the same time when it's a different different note that he's going for <laughs> on the on the bass than he's singing so it's yeah. uh, I definitely I don't uh, I I think Pickle may do backups as well in the Hogstop okay. String Band. I'm not sure though. Yeah. I know I know it he looks like it. I I picked up I, I put, pulled up a uh, a photo of him uh, and he's got a microphone next to him, so yeah. looks like he's he, doing that as well. I'm gonna have to check he, them out and uh, maybe forward that on to Scott for some uh, fire under him. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pickle he definitely he gets around. Word. He moves that thing around the stage. He is very amped when he's on stage uh that that's definitely makes his harder as far as his notes he's just going everywhere when he's on stage Uh he's got some energy but they are they're a good band to check out listeners know if they remember that show It it was a pretty good show heck yeah but speaking of that material and with you and scott you guys started playing with doug and you guys played for a, a bunch of years together started around 2005ish when you started playing together and mm-hmm. your first big release you had you had a couple of releases that weren't really the major album releases but the first major album release was was heavy load in mm-hmm. in 2012 uh-huh. and uh li- like I said I was talking about the most popular song uh get right church um uh-huh. the, the the gospel there you did on heavy load and Mm -hmm. uh it seems like it really struck a chord with people i mean you know that is the most popular song on spotify for you by several million actually (laughs) what do you yeah yeah it's uh, it's up there you know seven eight million something like that now maybe six six seven eight million i can't remember
um, what, what do you think? What do you think people liked so much about that song? Because I mean, I like it. I like I like just the rhythm of it, just the mm -hmm. uh, intention, the drive of it. But what do you think? What do you think people are drawn to about that song, or what were you drawn to? Boy, I, I, that that song is such a weird song. I don't, I don't know. I don't really even know what <laughs> get, "Get Right Church, Let's Go Home" means. You know, it's. Yeah. Um, but but I'd like to take the analogy of a relationship. Uh, somebody told me a long time ago. If you can say the reason that you love somebody, then you don't really love them. You know, it, it's mm. it it's sort of it, the 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 measure of of uh, of love is really just the feeling of love. Like food, food tastes good because it tastes good, and uh, yeah. I think the same same goes for uh, love and music. For sure, for sure. Yeah, I, I I I definitely get that. And it's funny that you said you don't even know what it means because when you put "get right church" into uh, Google. That's literally mm -hmm. one of the first things that it it corrects for. It it will finish it by saying, "What does it mean?" And so, I, there oh, really? there are a lot of people that are wondering what what it means out there. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Like, I, I don't think uh, so. A lot of times, like, there are songs that just feel good, and and they don't have to, yeah. you don't have to really know. Uh, you, you don't have to cerebralize it too much. You know, sometimes that's actually that's worse when when you. You know, uh, like w w when you try to, you know, intellectualize something too much. Music's about how it feels, I think. And I'll, mm -hmm. I also like, you know, like Dylan will do these songs that are so visual that that, mm -hmm. that don't, but they're almost like a a dolly painting, like a surrealist landscape of darkness at the break of noon, shadows even the silver spoon. Well, you know, like all this, all like, along the watchtower. That's I yeah. mean. There's so many images in that the Joker and and the thief and and you know the I mean it's yeah I I, I definitely get that and you and, and that that is definitely one especially when you hear it with Hendrix's uh, uh, musical ability mm -hmm. that it's yeah. it is it's 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 like you just said with uh, with a dolly uh, painting it's like it's all these colors and images coming at you at once you can close your eyes and you're just like man. I don't need I don't need any drugs to be taken to another place <laughs> with this thing. This is right, right. You, yeah, this is crazy. I, I hallucinate at songs. I like I, I can close my like even Robert Johnson stuff. Like I'll I'll listen to something mm -hmm. that he's done and I, I can I can see his mouth move and I can I can see the hotel mm -hmm. room he he recorded it in and it, it, you know mm -hmm. they, it, these kind of like almost visual hallucinations that come into our minds with with words and and sounds. Uh, I, I, to me, I get so much out of that, and uh, I was I was reading an interesting article by Robbie Robertson uh, from the band uh, recently, yeah. and he was talking about how he was uh, he was really into film, uh, like you know the weight, like take a load off Annie, uh, mm -hmm, that song. Mm -hmm. That song. Uh, he was really into film at that time, and and he his uh, his songwriting mode was sort of creating these vignettes of of scenes that would happen in a movie and then trying mm. to pull it, pull it together with the, with like sort of a open-ended theme uh yeah. at the at the chorus uh but but yeah. each one of those verses is such a like a little beautiful visual vignette that could be in a movie uh and like a little scene between some characters that interact and then and then sort of vaguely vaguely tied together with this uh, you know sort of a incongruent almost i mean not incongruent but but a non sequitur of a of a of a chorus i, I yeah yeah I, I think that's so interesting I, i'm fascinated by by songwriters and and 
you know how they how they how they work and, and what kind of well it, it's it's like you said there there's so many different ones and there's so yeah. many different approaches that they just you, you know there's there's these things and that's you know again when you're not being when you're not being uh, controlled by what the listener wants to to hear you're you're gonna think of some of those outside of the box things and go let's try this and yeah. you know I mean definitely like uh, Robbie Robertson like you think about I mean I always think about uh, Jimmy Page and just. When he first started, when they first started Zeppelin, how many of those ideas, outside of the box ideas he had, that he was just mm -hmm. like, let's do this, let's do yeah. that. And like none of them made sense for what was going on, but he didn't care. <laughs> That's what he yeah, wanted yeah. to hear. And and it's, you know, I mean, obviously it worked out very well for them. Yeah, and probably probably to the point of, of you know, American music developing. I think that that, you know, smashing together these different genres and these different traditions from, you know, the British Isles and Africa, you know, just pushing these things together where, where it's it just, you know, it's just a, a it's almost a, a chemistry exper experiment of how when they got thrown together, just seeing what popped out of that of that, you know, uh, reaction. To one another and well and it's it's funny just i mean how you know how when you look back at it how seamlessly it seems like they mix but you you don't see all the different levels of where like you know okay right. this is where the banjo actually started coming in this is when people started using violin to do this this is when people you, like you you got to put all those things together but it obviously uh it came out sounding great yes! for yeah. sure um well, so uh, get right, church. Back to mm -hmm. get right, church, uh, and and heavy load. That really that popped you guys off as far as sort of you know introducing yourself to a much bigger audience. And one of the reasons that was a much bigger audience that you worked with was uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top was yeah. a, a huge fan of the album. Mm -hmm. And uh, he asked you guys to go to Europe and and tour open with zz top and i always imagine these things in, in my head in like such a simplistic vision like i just imagine that you're sitting in your house and billy gibbons just like knocks on the door and like hey man <laughs> i dig your tunes you want to go to europe with us but like how did how did that happen like how did you find out that billy gibbons was a fan of the album and then how did that segue into going to europe well we uh we had a, a manager who was who was in the know with uh zz top and and mm. knew that knew that they were into the music and and uh uh i, I guess he knew they were into the music he said that there's an opportunity to, to do a couple of dates in the united states with them and we're like hey yeah absolutely anytime yeah. elsewhere and and yeah. we did a we did a, sh a short run in the u.s with them and then uh and then uh, surreptitiously their uh their opener for europe canceled or or mm. something something happened where he couldn't go and uh and and so like two weeks before they're about to head out they're like do you guys got passports and can you you want to go to europe <laughs> <laughs> and so it was like <laughs> like last minute as it could possibly get like literally our sound yeah. guy, our sound guy the night before we were gonna leave we couldn't he didn't have a passport and they didn't think they were going to be able to get it. And then some calls were made to, to people who were able to expedite these type of things. And wow, and, like literally we had no sleep as we're going to the airport to go to Europe. It was actually, uh, his, uh, his first time ever riding in an airplane. So it was just this whole, wow. <laughs> it was a whole whirlwind of things all happening. That's, I was about to say that's, 
that's a big jump. That's yeah. a that's a big jump. Usually people do like a an hour flight to get used to to flying <laughs> on an airplane, not right. a six hour one. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. We we got everything together, got out there, and we were you know woefully unprepared to to tour over there. We didn't you know we, we didn't have anything lined out as far as hotels go, and and uh, so <laughs> we, it, it was just by, by the skin of our teeth, just trying getting getting through trying to follow that tour bus around and and play for as many yeah. people. but the, re- the reaction by their their fans were, were uh were so amazingly kind to us and and uh nice. really responded amazingly to to sort of this uh, we're sort of uh, you know humble means uh as far as playing music goes and, and i think that that kind of endeared us to those audiences where they were they were rooting for us from the outset and uh it, it was an amazing amazing experience there's definitely and i and I've, I've heard you you've actually used the analogy before of the exotic animal going yeah. to to europe because you're you know you're americana and it's this oh it's it's normal to us over here but now you're in a you're in europe oh it's crazy what's this going on and they definitely they have a huge love in europe for roots americana music like mm-hmm. they just dig it to the highest degree and uh i i i wanted to ask you because that's i've heard that a lot from a lot of the artists on the show did you notice a difference in how the actual audience acted uh when like when you were playing for them during the 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 concerts yeah absolutely i I think it was it was just like like you were saying it it was um uh, there's a there's a saying for touring bands it's hamburger at home and your steak on the road and uh <laughs> that's sort of the, that's sort of the thing it's like you're uh when, when you're taken out of your natural context uh, and brought someplace else there, there's a a curiosity as well as like a a little bit of a re, like a, a different kind of respect to to mm-hmm. i'm not exactly sure how to to explain it perfectly but i but i felt that there was more intent listening uh yeah you know, rather than uh you know we, we we made our living playing music uh, just throughout the South, and and uh, so mm-hmm. a lot of times we were doing weekday gigs in front of you know big screen TVs playing the game that night, and uh, <laughs> you, know, you take what you can get. But but over yeah. there it, it was definitely a different um, a different level of of uh, attention and respect for us. Nice, nice. Well, um, you you and Scott and Doug played for about ten years. And there was a shift around 2015, and Doug left the group, and you guys added uh, Smiling Bob and and Rachel Ammons uh, to the group. Mm-hmm. And those two had been playing for a long time together in uh, Tyrannosaurus Chicken. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got a feeling they had to change the dynamic a little bit, and, and it seems like that's the thing, is I've seen a shift sort of in the band not re- i mean it's still the ben miller band and it still sounds very similar but there are, are are small changes were there some of those changes that you noticed i mean going to that new lineup yeah i mean i like i i didn't want it to uh, i i think that it, it you know imitation is death and, and to imitate yourself uh you know if, if i was just trying to do an impression of what we had done before that was bound to fail mm-hmm. uh and so and so yeah. when we changed lineups it was uh yeah, my my intention for for uh, for moving forward was was to sort of um, 
I mean, again, to make the analogy of a, of a chemical exper experiment, you know, just to put everybody in and see what we all do together and then adjust, <laughs> adjust from there to try to make a cohesive unit um, mm -hmm. of sound and, and just let whatever happened happen. And uh, yeah, yeah we worked to, worked as hard as we could on on doing that and, and get it, trying to to pull all that together. Uh, it's a it's a huge challenge. Uh, it, yeah, a bigger one than I had realized. Uh, just just to to sort of integrate uh, what everybody could do and, and wanted to do and 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 also what you know to maintain what I I, I was doing and and. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a, it, it, it can be, it could got overwhelming at times. Uh, you know, it's also an evolution, you know, people over time, mm -hmm. you know, they, they sort of settle into roles in a, in a band rather yeah. than from the outset, having a, a clear idea of, of what everything's going to be. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It, that sort it sort of always reminds me, uh, I think I've used this analogy on the show before actually, but when you talk about a sitcom and you watch the first like season or two seasons of a sitcom and the characters don't actually really they're just reading off of the script of what they think the character's supposed to be uh, and yeah. then you look like four or five years down the the line and it's completely different they've they've they filled the role in the way that they should fill it if it's actually a good show and it's actually mm -hmm. them and it's this whole unique thing that if you look at them from that first season that's not the same character at all they completely changed it and you sort of let that natural progression go yeah. and uh i think i think you have to see that some with artists uh um, yeah yeah but I, that's a great analogy I, I, <laughs> i'm writing that one down that's a good one <laughs> and sometimes it makes it better sometimes the the character develops into something better and sometimes it it, it fizzles i mean uh everybody yeah. watches the office and and you know kevin yeah. started out as a completely different i mean his voice was even mm -hmm. different in the first season and mm -hmm. then sort of you know refined exactly what the character was and that's probably a a process that involves the writers and the actor uh, sort of figuring yeah. out what he's good at, what what's funny about him. Well, and I think that, you know, that's the thing, is the person becomes comfortable in that role, and they just start, you know, and then there's more ad-lib. There's more, I feel this character, I know I am this character. That's right. Now I can play it, you know, now I can play it the way that I think it should be. And I think... That is mostly usually the actor in that case, and I usually think, I mean, you know, if it works out well, a lot of times in, in a band, it's the artist being like, okay, I feel comfortable now, now I can start sort of, and, and sometimes that obviously it ends badly because an artist starts sort of spreading too much and the stuff that they're spreading and they're evolving isn't the way that the band should be evolving, you know? Right. Um, but but as far as you guys uh, sort of doing that, the the end product was the most recent album, really, which was uh, uh, Choke Cherry Tree. Mm -hmm. And uh, aside from the new members, you guys did seem to have a, a fairly different sound on that album than the previous two albums. Mm -hmm. Um but the thing that I I really liked about this, and it was actually what you were talking about earlier. I, I can't remember now what we were talking about, but you said, uh, but I noticed that you guys for this album, you basically went to the the Coda Concert House, and you you surveyed the listeners. 
yeah. <laughs> you played the songs and you you were like, all right, what do you like about that? What do you what do you not like about that? Like, I don't know if I could take that much constructive criticism. Nope. But like, how did that? How, I mean, how how did that work out? Would you do that again? Did you like doing that? I, I really did like doing that. I don't know if it if it if it influenced so much the final product, like like taking taking uh, you know people's suggestions and then then changing changing the songs around or anything like that um but and and it, you know there were there were some songs that we knew the potential that they had that that may, maybe they weren't up up to the point of of really playing them in front of audiences but but i thought that as a performance that's that's something that i really um i really realized was a was a good thing to do and i'd, I'd be interested in doing again it just it yeah. just uh, it made the audience so attentive because they they mm-hmm. you know they, they they felt they had a role they, yeah oh, yeah they God, really I, felt I can, that I can do something right they felt they were part of it and and they were a part of it and to tell you the truth every audience is a part of it you know yeah you you listen to uh, you know you you watch people's body language in a in a song and you can mm-hmm. you can kind of tell what's going through people's heads and 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 you know the applause at the end or lack thereof i mean there's a lot of oh, yeah. <laughs> extenuating circumstances on a on applause and whatnot but but there's also there's there's also you know like like a comic will will refine his yeah. his special mm-hmm. uh over time uh to 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 they'll they'll find out what's where funny he by, got by the best feedback. response Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the phrasing of mm-hmm. something—you know—the phrasing of a, yeah. a joke can turn, you know, an idea that was somewhat funny into just a, a you know, a killer bit. It's, a, and, yeah. it's amazing how that can happen with those. I mean, literally, just a pause of two seconds completely <laughs> right. changes what the joke is. But I mean, it is, and it's the same thing. Same, like you said, same thing with the music, uh, and and it's even better when you got an audience that's knows that's what they're doing essentially yeah maybe that's where that idea kind of came from I, i'm sort of jealous of of comics that they uh develop their 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 hour or their special in front of in front of in front of a real live audience over over the course of a year or so and and I, yeah I really I, but but generally musicians they'll write a write an album they'll record the album then they'll put it out and then they'll bring it to an audience after it's sort of ready and and you know I, I understand the the nuts and bolts of why that has to happen, but I'd love it for there to be, uh, like I, th- I think that was an attempt for there. <laughs> Just to play be a like, riff. Does anybody like that? Do you guys want me to? Should I yeah. keep going with that one? All right. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Just that, I like think a <laughs> a writing workshop with people. Just like okay, now add that. What about the rhythm? What do you want the bass to do here? Should you hear that? Like yeah, a little faster, a little the slower. Whole thing. <laughs> right. Well, well, you know, I mean, I I do think like I think with with uh, comedians, that's the thing though is is it's you got to be a great comedian. You you can't be worried at all, really. It like on, on those first on those first nights doing it, you basically know it's going to be horrible, and you're going to get like two things that they're going <laughs> to laugh at, and you're going to be like, all right, yeah. cultivate those two things, like. And so, I mean, you know, when you see and like, and when you talk to comedians, like the comedians we've had on the show here, they, the, the, oh yeah, well, you know, I was trying out new material, so it bombed. It was horrible. 
Right. <laughs> and right. Like, and you're just like, what? And you were fine <laughs> with just completely bombing? That's oh, like, boy. you that, know. I, th- th- it's, yeah. There's so much bravery that goes into that process of just like, yeah. boy, boy. I mean, bombing without music is is a, <laughs> you know, there's just silence. Yeah. Like, like bombing with music, yeah. it's, you know, it, 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 at least you have your musicianship and... and Wh- pleasant sounds to ba- to fall back on and exactly well and see that's the thing that amazes me about some comedians and, and well and i think make some of the best comedians that like you said if it goes back to that original thing of not being worried and not being you know uh pushed around by basically what they think the audience wants to hear mm-hmm. i think that makes some of the best comedians like when you look at like for instance for for me i love dave Chappelle, i love norm mcdonald yeah. yeah both of them and both of those guys are never afraid of bomb. Like they're ne- they're never afraid to hold a phrase for as long as they want. Like uh-huh. they're completely fine with saying something and then just looking around at the audience. Like, how do you guys uh-huh. feel about that? I don't right. really care that nobody's laughing about this. Like <laughs> it's just the and like you said that that uh you know that bravery and that not being afraid of what the audience uh, thinks I think makes them makes them funnier but it definitely it's definitely an interesting thing to do with music that like I don't think like you said almost no artists get to do that sort of prototype test run and see like it's so much fun I I highly recommend it and house house concerts like the Coda Concert House up there in Joplin is is such a wonderful thing that, uh, that Jeff's put together up there uh, and mm-hmm. and having having that kind of listening room, uh, and and then sort of juicing that 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 attentiveness up with really just having a questionnaire, at, you know, that people can follow along on their worksheet of like, here's the song we're gonna play next. Give us a you know a yeah. scale of one to five if you like it, and then have be able to let them write notes and sort of nice tab- tabulate exactly what they're thinking. Like I said, it's not an exact science, but it 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 really uh, influenced what the show was part of the show was people sitting there and realizing that their judgment was as valid as anyone else's. And, and I, th- I think yeah. that, that that kind of respect from an artist to an audience, uh, it, it really worked. I'd, I'd love to do it again. hundred percent, a hundred percent. Well, um, after, after, uh, choke, uh, cherry tree came out, um, you, you, you had another switch in the band and, and sadly, uh, smiling Bob, uh, who was in the band there? He lost his life to cancer, actually, just a, a, a little, ye- a little over a year ago. Yeah. And w- was that why he stepped away from the Ben Miller band? Was because of the uh, of his cancer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he got. Well, we found out he got, he was sick about. Um, well, coming up on two years ago, so so right around. Yeah. Uh, win- winter time somewhere in there, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just. Uh, it, yeah it was it was very hard it's uh for sure yeah I, I still don't know what to make of it you know it's it it's hard to process those feelings of of um i don't even know what to say about it like it's hard it really it really seemed to to hit rachel hard yes yeah. considering the fact of how long she had had performed with him and basically he was her mentor yeah, and th- they were they were so, so much like a binary star system. You know, they they were rotating around one another for a long period. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, it was it was particularly hard on her and, and hard on everybody. And 
uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing. I never, you know, never thought I'd uh, lose a lose a Have to go through that. You yeah. Know, you don't, you, I mean, you don't really think about it, but uh, it, it, no. It's, it's a hard thing. Well, doing uh, once once uh, once he stepped away from the band, and Rachel stepped away, uh, you had to you had to mold once again. You had to you know. Uh, I mean, obviously, you wanted to keep going with your band. You wanted to keep playing. Um, who who's the new member of the band? Because you do have now. You're back. You're back to a three piece. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, who's Mitch, who's the new player in the band? Uh, Mitch Twombly is yeah. Like during during that transition period, like we we had we were sort of in a tough financial spot um, as a band, and and I I really wanted to pay off bills and uh, that the band had yeah. had a, had accrued, and I was like, man, we need to we need to really get it together and and put our nose to the grindstone and and, and mm-hmm. get get back on on the right side of the of the financial ledger and uh so get back uh, in the black yeah yeah try to yeah try to and uh so so we you know worked with a couple different few different drummers i think three different drummers which was a huge time investment to get to get uh musicians up to the uh, you know up up to the performing level on, on all the material and and the, yeah really the one that stood out and that was uh, also willing to tour and and uh got along with the personality real well with Mitch Twombly. Nice. Nice. And now, now is he, cause I know in the past, basically everybody else in the band has been very multi instrumented. Is he mm-hmm. a multi instrument guy? Does he play other things besides drums or is he pretty much solely drums? Uh, drum right now it's drums and washboard. So, so it's a percussionist, but he also does mm-hmm. harmonica and, uh, and mandolin, which, you know, once we, mm-hmm. Once we get sort of past this uh, this COVID thing, uh, hopefully we'll yeah. be able to get get back and, and rehearse some stuff and throw some stuff against the wall. Because uh, yeah. I, I think it's a uh, it's a strange thing when when you're when you're touring at a certain level and, and getting getting a, a certain amount of money for a show. You kind of mm-hmm. w- when the band first started, we were just you know we were just you know doing we're throwing things against the wall, and it didn't really matter if 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 you know we had a 50 percent fail rate on on trying new things uh, yeah just having you know, fun it, trying them out yeah just we're a local band but but at yeah. this point it, it's sort of like you have to change that process a little bit to get to a, a at least a certain level at home before bringing yeah. out in front of people because there's an expectation mm-hmm. there yeah yeah for sure for sure it was so uh i i guess it's a little bit now even though he's he's a percussionist, uh, uh, sort of multi-percussionist, it's a little bit more sort of in a traditional vein a little bit. I mean, obviously, you still... Scott's playing a washtub bass. It's not traditional in a sense, and you play a lot of different instruments as you're going, but it's a little bit more now of a traditional, more three-piece. You got the two rhythm section, and you driving the melody a little bit more. Right, yeah, it... it, it, it feels a lot more similar to to what it it, it was uh with, with doug uh j- yeah just, when you i don't know if it was if it was just a uh it, it's, it's hard to orchestrate four people it's a it's an entire order of magnitude more difficult to get four <laughs> people on the same page as it as it is three i mean it's just one more person yeah but it it adds a whole level of complexity as as everyone's 
sort of pinging pinging off one another on stage and and you know trying trying to find a, a gel point uh mm -hmm. I, I, you know but with three people it, it seems like that gel point comes much quicker well i mean you know with 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 when you've got two rhythm sections as far as when your other two people are both on on rhythm it definitely it, it's a good driving force for the other member uh -huh. and then if you got you know if you got somebody else playing melody there, then you got two people sort of doing melodies, trying to coexist there, and then get in the same groove as the rhythm section. Mm -hmm. yeah, starts getting a little more juggling going on, but uh, right. I, yeah, I it's it makes, good. Uh, it's good to hear that you've got. Oh, go for I, it. I think it, yeah, it kind of. I mean, just popped in my head, but it, I think it makes sense why like they're in in large bands. They usually have sections, like a horn section mm -hmm. or a string section, yeah, or and a rhythm section, and really those no matter how many people are in a band it, it tends to like as long as those sections are playing together they sort of operate like an individual even if there's mm -hmm. multiple people in them well and then you got yeah i mean then you got the band director that's having to to try to bring them all together and i mean you know that's the thing is if you got a big band you got a six-piece rock band you don't have a band director so you're all sort of looking around at each other like who's going who's going where what's who's doing what you <laughs> right. know and the big bigger it gets the harder it gets for sure yeah and, the, and um, to find that gl the well, glue between all these pieces you know to try to be that glue between all those pieces it's a it's a it's a tricky tricky thing to figure out well especially when when you're the person doing it and you're singing and you're playing instruments like yourself it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't make it any easier when you're a band director you're just setting up there with your baton like all right, right. that's what those guys are doing right. i'm just keeping time <laughs> right. makes it a lot easier that way right. well i think i think we, i've got to a point where i want to ask you uh, get back to that pandemic question uh -huh. Uh, so we know we know you you started the pandemic not really uh, not really being able to write and obviously not being able to perform. Mm -hmm. um, have Have you got some time? Have you started some time of, of writing now? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of picking up the the loose ends of, of songs that I had had going at the time. I, I was writing a, a bunch of songs sort of when the pandemic hit, and uh, I'm picking those pieces back up. And it's kind of an interesting thing to usually writing a song that you sort of can go over the song so many times you sort of uh you you forget what it's about almost you forget what was good about it you <laughs> just have to keep pushing through yeah. to the end and given it that uh that break that, that three month uh break when i was <laughs> just mostly drunk uh not listening to anything you know picking those back up it's kind of yeah. interesting to there's some songs that i that i just listen to and be like oh obviously obviously that's I need to cut mm -hmm. this out here and put that in there. And, and that's the word I should have used for yeah. that thing. And, and that whole part doesn't make any sense. And, and sort of, sort yeah. of picking those things back up has been real fun. And, and along the way, uh, like always, you know, I'll have, I'll have things that come to me almost, almost whole, uh, just, you know, yeah. that, that, that I'll just put down quick and, and they'll be done. But yeah, the the bulk of the stuff was was started earlier and i'm, I'm just sort of working through right now which is which is a nice. different process because you know usually writing songs you just start start to finish try to try to get a whole thing done yeah well I, i'm i'm guessing i mean you know looking back at your catalog you definitely are an album man you you put out the ben miller band puts out albums you're not too big on on you know slowly releasing singles as you go uh -huh. 
Um, and I'm guessing, are you? You've got to be pretty early in the in the record stage right now, as far as an, an, another record. I mean, maybe. I I, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? Should should do you think artists should should <laughs> release like a. a Single, like, I think it really depends on the on the artist. Yeah. Like I, I really feel like it depends on their type of music and and what they their sort of their motivations are. What like you said, wh- how what type of songwriter they are, what they do. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there are definitely those artists. Um, you know, trying to think of one that we had recently, like uh, Crownlands, who's a, a rock band from Canada. I definitely think those guys like to make this sort of full album, full thought of a full sort of movement mm-hmm. through all these different, you know, peaks and valleys. Right. And, uh, you know, when you listen to some, I mean, some artists are really purely bred on wanting to make one you know one song and it, it goes by itself and really they could never put out a full album at all and that's just what they they think in that sort of you know one song type of 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 way and they don't have a full you know i mean i think a lot of artists think of it as as like a story you know a full book and each 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 song's a chapter Mm -hmm. but then there's some that just say i've got a short story here's the single there you go there's no chapters that's it and so uh you know i i i honestly think it works differently for different artists i mean i think there are some great and then i think some try to pigeonhole themselves into something that they aren't and they try to release a bunch of singles because that's what people do these days right. is put out a bunch of singles. And it doesn't work for them because those it, it always seems like it, with those people that are more album-type folks, it usually comes out and it sounds like sort of like half a thought. And mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, I like that song, but I don't really get... I'm not getting it all. Yeah, I, I, I think it. You know, it, my, my brain usually just thinks of one song at a time and then... then then once I have a, a put them a, together later. Yeah, once I have a pile of them, I'll be like, well, these these all seem to fit together uh, pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I think I'll probably continue. Mm-hmm. Doing, I, I've got so many songs right now that I'm working like 50, <laughs> 50 songs of, of wow. different kinds of of material. And so maybe maybe I'll I'll, I'll yeah. try to do a, a few different albums. You know, some slower acoustic, you know, sweet stuff, and then some barn burners and, and nice. Then some, some weird stuff (laughs) (laughs) just just have have a i i like that title for uh, weird stuff (laughs) let's just let's just let's just let's put that one out weird stuff and they'll know okay this is just the the odds and ends are coming on this album this is going to be a good one i think i I definitely write it down weird (laughs) stuff i want to see that album i'm very excited about it so uh i i guess you know uh the ben miller fans as far as the folks that are looking for it got a little time in the process to wait they're gonna have to go back to the older albums for now to enjoy the older music yeah i mean probably in the next oh god it's so hard to say because with 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 COVID, everything's still locked down and it looks like you know 2021's when things are going to start opening back up and maybe i'll try to record some stuff at home Mm -hmm. and 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 get things together that are that are worth putting out uh but you know, yeah, yeah. Things are so up in the air for everybody, uh, unless you've recorded something before before all this happened. Well, now I don't I don't think I have to ask this question, but I'm guessing as soon as you guys can, 
set a full tour, you will get out on the road again. You're ready to, as soon as they say go, you're ready to set that up, I'm guessing. Yeah, um, I, we're, we're looking, uh, like, like you said, uh, when, when everything hit, I mean, it was uh, we had to cancel a European tour. Uh, so so we're, we're mm-hmm. in the works looking at April 2021 of, of rescheduling. Nice. Thing. Yeah, which is... Which is good, yeah. When we when we had to cancel that, it was just such a blow. I mean, we the the amount of footwork that goes into to doing something like that is is astronomical. Not just by me, but but by our our tour manager over there, our booking agent over there. Uh, and it it, it oh, was yeah. really it was really a, a blow when we had when we saw that you know things were going to get bad and we wouldn't be able to travel from country to country. And it was literally the day before we were yeah. supposed to leave is when we, when we made that decision. Mm. So yeah, when we're, it's crazy, it's oh. crazy. So many of artists are like that though. Like, I mean, when, when, when the pandemic hit, there were so many artists that were getting ready to do this or to do yeah. that. And it was like all these tours just getting ready to shoot off. And then it was just boom, everything's done. Yeah. And so, it, you know, it's not, it's like you said, it's not too shocking that most artists were sort of in the same boat as yourself. Like, hmm. what, what do we do now? Where, <laughs> where do we, where do we go from here? Like, yeah. so I, I don't know I, how everybody survived. Like it's, it's, uh, you know, from having expected income to having nothing and, and musicians are, are notorious about kind of spending the money that's in their pockets. Uh, I, you know, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, a I hope everybody's doing all right out there. Well, yeah, I, I the, there's a lot of different, and we, we, I've talked to a lot of the artists on the show about it, just different ways of, you know, uh, I mean, I, I don't see the live stream events as, as bringing in that much money, but I mean, there are artists that have been doing that. There are artists, like you said, like that you did the, you know, the uh, socially distant shows. There are a lot of artists that have done that or the drive-in shows. Yeah. There's also, you know, some of them that just try to pack the merch as much as possible. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's been a tough tough uh, six months for artists but hopefully hopefully it gets better soon man and yeah. uh you know i know i know there are a lot of i know there are a lot of fans out there that that want to get out to a a ben miller show and and see and see scott see <laughs> scott uh you know show up uh pickle if he can yeah i think he can I think I do not saying I, I not saying you're bad pickle. I don't want to say that. Okay, I don't want to. I want to. I want to make anybody angry here. I want to see. I want to see a wash tub base playoff. Uh, that's, that's what, what I want to see. That's exactly what was going through my head. Like I might contact them. And just be like, <laughs> Let's just play a couple shows together and and do something which has probably never been done in the history of uh, history. Yeah, that would be that would be amazing. Two bands, two wash tub bases. You definitely you've definitely got a record on your hands with that for sure for sure well ben we are against a break man but we have we have taken a whole bunch of time and i have loved every minute of it i want to thank you for taking the time to talk with us today thank you so much it was great talking with you uh yeah uh, great it's fun it was a good interview i think i hope everybody likes it i hope so too listeners you can keep up with everything ben miller band at benmillerband.com or on facebook at ben miller band or on instagram at ben miller band right now let's take a listen to one more time off a choke cherry tree right here on the doc g show
And we are back here on the Doc G show. Ben Miller. Ben Miller Band. Fantastic, man. Great interview. We I didn't I didn't expect that he'd give me that much time, man, but we just, nope. just talked and you. talked. Well, I mean, I love him. It's a it's a Ben it's mutual. Ben it's a Ben love Ben uh relationship. Ben squared. Exactly. Exactly. I can't wait for a new album. Hopefully it comes out sooner rather than later. And bass sure. off. I'm looking forward to it. I want to see the bass off. We need it. The people need it. Exactly. The Doc G lovers. And I mean it. it's like it's like polar opposite personalities. Pickle is all up in your face, insane pickle. And then Scott's mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. this silent i'm in the back you don't even know i'm here dude so like so true crazy it's crazy i want to see it go down i want to see it go down but thanks to ben for coming on the show yes thank you fantastic. again ben. fantastic uh dave you know what time it is hmm. shoe and tell Woo! shoe and tell i feel like you again you were a little not sure if it was shoe or tell I was like, is it is it time for birthday suit number well, two? I was about to say or we did we did throw off the schedule so I can see where it would be confusing tonight. I can well, see I that. Feel like if I was gonna say birthday suit, you're like, yes, it's birthday suit. <laughs> just I was like, either way, I couldn't have been wrong. You yeah, were just, just go you with just something. Something from yeah, me. yeah. <laughs> we'll go shoe and tell though, because that's what I was thinking, Dave. I've got yes. a good one. This is part eight. By the way, I realized Man. last week I skipped. I I, uh, I said it was eighteen last week, and it was really seventeen. It was because premature. I because I went from fifteen to seventeen. I skipped the sixteenth. So mm. this is the true eighteen here. Now, okay. Dave, I've got a unique one, an odd, a little bit of an oddball choice for the Jordan shoe. But here oh. we go, sixteens. We've got oh, the 16s. you missed the 16s. That's right. That is right, okay. Dave. Okay. Now, right now on StockX, there's mm -hmm. an unworn countdown pack, including these 16s and the 7s that I had mm -hmm. earlier on Shoe and Tell. Same, mm -hmm. uh, same size. Yeah. $2,500. Jeez. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, boy. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, some, some appreciation from 2008, that's for sure. Right. Uh, now, Dave, these were released in 2001. These were the mm -hmm. second Jordans that had been made after Jordan retired from the Bulls. But he actually started his career with the uh, with the Wizards with these shoes. That's a fact. He wore these for a few preseason games. In, mm -hmm. uh, in that season. Uh, now, these also are the first Jordan since the threes not to be designed by Tinker Hatfield. Mm, yeah. Dang. Yeah. So since Hatfield wasn't designing them, they had to find somebody else. You know who they found? Wilson Smith Third. Now I know what you're mm. thinking. Will Wilson Smith III sounds familiar. Well, that's because he's the dude that designed the Nike Air Up Tempos that Scotty oh, wore. That we did the other. That, yeah, that's right. Part ten. Oh. Yes. Yes. Now Wilson took a bunch of design cues from previous Jordans that Tinker had mm -hmm. done. Uh, he mm -hmm. had the height of the Jordan threes in there. Here, uh, he used the clear soles of the Jordan fives and sixes. He used the mm -hmm. patent leather of the 11s on the front. Yep. 
Um, yep. and, and But then he put his own spin on it by adding the shroud. The shroud that you can take off the, the cover. of the shoe. Yeah. Yes. Now, Not and a big that, fan of it, but well, it's, that's it's a, a unique feature. It's supposed to represent Jordan's retirement into uh, being a business executive. Hmm. The idea was that it would go from a fancy dress shoe to a nothing but basketball business shoe. basketball shoe. Oh, you know? I mean, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And even though Jordan himself didn't start playing in these, initially when they were released, uh, your Jordan athletes, Reggie Miller, Ray Allen, Mike Bibby, all rock mm-hmm. these. Uh, yeah, then when did. then when Jordan came back to play for the Wizards, he started with the 16s. Uh, also, I would like to mention that one of the reasons why probably the high resale, uh, reselling price of these uh, mm-hmm. They have never retroed these except for this one pair that I'm holding here. Nope. So, right. since 2001, they've only had one retro pair of the 16s. So, yeah, there you go. So, uh, a unique one, not one that a lot of people do retro on, but you know what? Very. I, re- I realized when I went to the closet for Shoe and Tell, I was like, well, I haven't done it. And I'm glad, we, I'm glad you did it. Yes! Yeah, don't worry. Don't worry. We got some more curveballs coming. We got some more curveballs, folks. Hold on. Hold on. Anyways, okay. Dave, let's go ahead. Do you want the one that you're not going to get or the one that you're going to get as far as birthday suits? Hmm. Give me the one I'm going to get, and we'll just try and do the best we can on the yeah. third. Nah, I'm pretty positive. I know, you know, I know you could think of her face in your head, uh-huh. but you're uh-huh. not going to get it. Um, okay. if you do, I, I will be flabbergasted. Your mind will be blown. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the one that you're going to probably get, I got you on 90% here. Pretty positive. Um, okay. uh, born on September 30th, 1983, older than T-Pain by two years, mm-hmm. uh, in mm-hmm. Atlanta, Georgia, our birthday suit wearer was raised by his mother and uh, grandmother predominantly because sadly mm-hmm. his father was killed in 1991. Uh, he mm-hmm. loved football growing up. He played at mm-hmm. Westlake High School in Atlanta. The football team mm-hmm. at West, uh, or sorry, Westwood, uh, is mm-hmm. very notable because it has more NFL alumni than almost any other school in the country. Jeez. Uh, Dang. Our birthday suit wearer decided to go to West Virginia and play cornerback. He was the Big East. Con- uh, he was all Big East conferences sophomore and junior year. He went to mm-hmm. the NFL draft in 2005 and was drafted by the Tennessee Titans. He was very Adam good. Pac Man. Joe's. There it is. There it is. I told you. I was pretty Joe. confident. I was pretty confident. I mean, you know. I just had to think through my West Virginia he's alumni. P- he's pretty notable. As I was getting ready to say, he was he was very good on the field for the Titans, but he had some off-the-field issues. And yeah. in 2007, the commissioner suspended him for a year uh, for violating player conduct policy, which was the first time in 44 years that that had happened for actions other than substance abuse. Wow. Which mm. is crazy. That's crazy to think. Right. 
Uh, once he was reinstated, he was traded to the Dallas Cowboys, but that lasted less than a year, and they cut ties with him in 2009. He then agreed to a one-year de- deal with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the, Cana- in the Canadian Football League, but that deal yeah. fell through. Uh, so he ended up signing with the Cincinnati Bengals in 2010. He played eight seasons with the Bengals. He was uh, all pro in 2014 and went to the Pro Bowl in 2015. On May 24, 2019, he announced his retirement from the NFL. He has the same nickname, of course, as a famous arcade game. And the reason he got it was because of the famous arcade game. Uh, they said he could turn corners just like Pac-Man. That's how fast oh, he was. Bop, bop, bop. Because he also did running back. He was also running back in high school. So I didn't that, know that. Yeah, that's where it came from. And in fact, he actually didn't like the nickname uh, after he had his suspension. He felt like it was mm-hmm. it was part of like you know his bad mm-hmm. mojo. So he mm-hmm. tried for a little bit just to be called Adam Jones. And people were like, nope. Nah, you're Pac-Man. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they just That's kept going you. with it. Yeah. So, anyways, happy birthday. Enjoy retirement, Pac-Man. You are 37. Yes, 37. All right. I'm retired. Man. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, okay, Dave. Let's move on to the uh, no chancer here. I gave this one right. 10%. Zero. 10%. Okay. Uh, born on September 30th, uh, 1982. So a year older than Pac-Man. Our birthday mm-hmm. suit wearer was born in Purvis, Mississippi. She became extremely interested in acting at a young age and uh, starred in the movie Lost in Space in 1998 as Penny Robinson. Mm. Then played Amanda Becker in the movie Not Another Teen Movie. Her biggest role to date was in the movie Mean Girls when she played the character Gretchen Wieners. Word. Since then, she has really jumped on the scene of Hallmark Channel movies. She has played in over... Uh, by the way, she's played in over 18 Hallmark movies, which that literally Jeez. is the phrasing that they have on Wikipedia. And I mean, normally when uh-huh. you say, uh, you know, over a certain number, it's because the number's really big and you're just going to round right. it over. Like, for instance, she's played in over 100 movies, when in reality it's 102. You just don't want to say 102. But when it's 18, right. what are we talking about? Like 18 and a half? Nope. What is like, What? why Why can't we, is it 19? Is it 20? Right. And why can't you just say 19 or 20? It's just weird. do it. I, I didn't get it. Anyways, she's been in over 18 of them. And apparently, Dang. Dr. Phil has seen all of her Hallmark movies because Dr. Phil's a weirdo. What? So there you go. <laughs> How name, is that a fact? I don't know. That's a fact. But name that birthday suit wearer. No freaking idea. Yeah, sorry. I had to dig deep. She, she was one of the how'd only you pick. People. How'd you pick her? It was basically the only somewhat noticeable name that was on September 30th that I had going, you man. You must watch a lot of Hallmark. You no, nah, dude, it's it, it was obviously because of Mean Girls. I mean, come on. Okay. Who does? Okay. Who, who doesn't know? Who doesn't know Mean Girls? Right? I mean. Yeah, but I don't know her. I I didn't know her name at all. Uh, Lacey Chabert. Lacey Chabert. Chabert. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean. Happy birthday, I, Lacey. Lacey's doing, I mean, she's obviously doing all right. Uh, she's just not racking up those. Racking up. on Hallmark. Yeah. I mean, and Dr. Phil is loving it, apparently. So, you know. The only one, the other one that I thought about doing, there were two other people that I knew you wouldn't get. So the other two mm-hmm. people were uh, Mart- Martina Hingis. The uh, tennis nope. great and mm-hmm. Johnny Mathis, the singer. He's like a crooner. Nope. He's like a very nope. not famous sort of uh, uh, Frank Sinatra. So those were the mm-hmm. only other two that I was like, maybe, but I decided to go with uh, Lacey instead. All so, right, Mean Girls is better than. Yeah, yeah, that's what I, that's what I expected. But anyways, happy birthday to Lacey, thirty eight. Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good happy for birthday. herself. Uh, okay, Dave, we've got some fantastic shows coming up. Very excited, but I'll just tell you about the the next one loaded up in the loaded machine. What? I don't know. Whatever that's, whatever <laughs> that chamber. is. Yeah. Loaded up in the chamber. Yeah. Well, you know how big we are on guns on this show. Um, the, uh, and the loading chamber. Yes. <laughs> yes. I look like an ace out there on the shooting range, huh? Hey, so I'm going to put this in the... Loading room, you guys. What's this called? What is this hole here? The chamber. Oh, okay. All right. Learning some things out here. Nice. Okay. Anyways, we got weather. The weather's coming up on the show. Mm-hmm. Weather's a big band making big moves out from L.A. Very excited to have these guys on the show. We're going to be talking nice. to their guitarist. I can't wait for it. But we got to wrap it up for today. So, you know, and, and Dave's got things to plan. He's got lots of things to plan. I got a wedding to plan. Jeez. He's got all kinds of things to plan. So, I have been your host, Doc G. With me, as always, the man that is now uh, a fiancé, that is now tied to a ball and chain that is his significant other, Dave Burles, Berlin. You know what? I've decided I'm going to buy the fiancé, Beyonce. You're doing it anyway. For myself. <laughs> nice. Nice. I can't wait. It's going to look good on you, Dave. So good. Thank so you. So good. Thank you. Until next week, zip it up and zip it out. Zippity doo dah.